In 2020, four friends decided to listen to every one of the greatest 500 albums as decided by Rolling Stone magazine. This resulted in a text chain that celebrated the music, excoriated the order, and led us to making this podcast. We are far from experts, and we promise to do almost no research. All opinions are our own unless you disagree. Please sit back and enjoy. Beck did it better. This is the third album on the list, 1971's Blue by Joni Mitchell. You know what, guys? Today I'm going to switch it up a little bit. I'm going to play the title track from this album, and I'm going to tell you right now, I was shocked with how much I loved the music, but I thought the lyrics, to be honest, on this song were a little bit basic. Here, I'll, I'll show you the part I really like. <laughs> it's beautiful. Oh, oh yeah. <laughs> yeah. I would say she was ahead I of her see time. see why this is third. <laughs> I mean, ahead of its time. I, <laughs> way ahead of its time. It's so good. Perfect. <laughs> my body, my body is grinding uncontrollably. Oh, I wish I would have said that. When you want to hear about the greatest albums of all time. <laughs> I totally stole Russell's joke from last time, but that episode has not been published yet. Oh, Rob, yeah. Rob, no one ever makes it to the end of the podcast anyway, so no one will know you stole the joke, but I appreciate the credit. I've got the perfect podcast for you, Jack. Beck did it better. Oh, yeah. I do not like starting like that. Hey, everybody. Podcast land. Welcome to Back to the Better, where we are going through the 2020 Rolling Stones, greatest album list of all time. And we are up to number three, Blue by Joni Mitchell. And you know what? We don't need no piece of paper from City Hall keeping us tied and true. We're here no, because we we're straight up losers and we have nothing else to do at night. <laughs> wait, wait, what? Say hi to my co host. I got uh-huh. Russell in Minneapolis. Russell, how are you doing? Acid, booze, and ass, needles, guns, and grass. Lots of laughs, Rob. Lots of laughs. I'm drinking sweet champagne. I got the headphones up. Hi. I feel like we're doing a Guns N' Roses album after that one. That was a good one. I got uh, Matt in Minnesota. How are you doing, Matt? I'm feeling blue after listening to this album. So oh. I'm doing well. Otherwise, happy to hang out with you guys. I'm blue. Extremely happy to be hanging out with you guys. All right. So Matt is the one who's going to get this canceled on this episode. So I'm looking forward to that. And Aaron, who is currently in Tahoe, uh, and he's got a big sign on that says bear bait. Um, Aaron, how are you doing? I'm in California. I'm coming home. Oh, California. <laughs> Oh, you're taking Russell's bit. Uh, <laughs> I, that is, I couldn't I couldn't not do it. With bit this one. stealer. Next that thing is you know, Aaron's good. Gonna, nobody likes a bit stealer. Next thing you know, Aaron's going to do a list during this podcast, and I'm just going to be out <laughs> looking for new work soon. He would never do that, though. Not on this I would one. never. I would never do such a thing. I think that's my problem is I do think about this as work. Like, I've got, like, t- tests to grade and, like, stuff to write. I don't know what I'm teaching on Tuesday, and I'm like, yeah, I better put together this list of, you know, Best songs by people that start with the letter J for the podcast. That's what I do now. I do think mm. this is a job. Uh, all right, so work. that yeah, this is this that, is my passion. This is my work. <laughs> exactly. Uh, we're like Joni Mitchell, except nobody listens to us. Uh, everybody, we are uh, recording on a Sunday. To, uh, Yom Kippur has started, so easy fast to everybody who observes it. And congrats to my co-hosts here on a thousand downloads to celebrate. I'm going to sniff the smelling salt. <laughs> oh. Nice. Oh yeah. That, we never thought we awesome. we'd make it this far. Started from the bottom, now we're here. You know what? I I I uh, I believed in us. So it's a shame. Rob, you didn't. said when we started this podcast that all you wanted to oh, do was what you wanted to do 100 downloads per episode. We're up to 1000 downloads per episode, right? Uh well, yeah, well, okay. So if you took all of our episodes and combined them into one, Using Wait, some what? sort of audio <laughs> stitching thing uh, into a giant 20-hour podcast, then yes, we would definitely have a thousand downloads per episode. 
But no, right now the key is is that you release a hundred episodes and get ten downloads each, and then you're up to a thousand automatically. So it's, it's not a it's not a thousand per episode. It's no, a thousand total. Thousand total. I, listen, we have a thousand total downloads. Why do I have to explain it more than that? Jeez, Louise. Oh uh, gosh, you guys are like Gateway the police over mathematics. Here. And uh, I just also want to um, so congratulations to us for having a thousand downloads. Hey, congrats, guys! I think we're about five hundred of those downloads actually. So that uh, no, Matt does, definitely does not download or listen to this. <laughs> Matt podcast. has never listened to this podcast. I try not to. <laughs> <laughs> He'll pass along the backline better than any of us, but that's about as far as he's willing yeah. to go. Matt, both Matt and his wife, they see the podcast show up on their phone, and they both look at each other and go, "No." And by the way, I shook my head there. So that was a visual Zoom joke that nobody else. And I said Zoom joke. Visual Zoom joke. That's tough to say. That's a, it's a hard one. But I am a professional host. That's what she said. Red leather, yellow leather. Red leather, yellow leather. I do my vocal warm-ups on Sunday night instead of sleeping. All right. And this is not going to get cut. Oh, so I want to say uh, congratulations to us because, guys, the Beck line is blowing up to the point where I have to actually pick and choose what I'm going to play and not just beg people to leave messages. So if people call in, they got to come, they got to come with it, right? Yeah. They got to bring the, they got to bring the funk. They got to bring the ruckus or whatever. How can Uh, you get a hold of the Beck line? Rob or Matt, how do you get a hold of the Beck line? You're the, you're the two who advertise this. Matt Matt generally interrupts. Like Matt is in the last few episodes had his phone up while we're talking. (laughs) And supposedly he's texting the Beck line to people. And you know what I did? I texted that person who asked for him. And I said, did you get a hold? Did you call in? They said, no, you gave me some number in Ontario. So (laughs) (laughs) after all this time, I still can't get it right. So what's the number, Rob? The number is 802-277-BECK. That's 802-277-2325. So some version of that gets you to Ontario somehow. So Yeah, call that version too. Who cares? They want to hear what's going on with what you guys think about the episode from three weeks ago. It it sucks that that was the the one caller that was going to compliment me on my brilliant takes on music and life. But it turns out they called some some voicemail in Ontario instead. This is a bunch of bullshit. Uh, yeah, no, Russ, I get actually I get like three or four voicemails every time complimenting you and I delete those instantly. <laughs> Not good content for the podcast. <laughs> uh, all right. So let's get to our first episode, guys. You might be shocked with who this is from. Oh, hey, it's Krista again. Kristen. Um, First of all, I should say I am actually really enjoying the podcast. I feel like I do call in with a lot of criticism from time to time, but I am enjoying it. I listen to it on my runs um, each week, and I'm inspired to listen to different music. I will say that I think you should go for it with a new updated list, as if you want it to be best albums of all time, it should include albums from all time. And their old list left out several years of albums, so I'm just saying that. But then also, um, I am a little confused by the chore that Matt says he doesn't like to do, oh, no. which is folding laundry. Oh, because oh, Matt. Well, my head. Matt just picked up because he doesn't actually have to fold the laundry, no, wait, and Matt. neither does his wife. Oh, no. Wait a minute. Um, I suggest wait a minute you now. ask Matt. And see who actually does. Wait a do minute now. Who, who does the laundry? laundry? Rob is like twisting in his chair. He is that so is excited. Wait a minute now. Listen, I'm so excited. Krista brought this up, but Rob is like physically maneuvering. Well, you finally got her chair. name right. So good work, Russell. Yeah, Kirsten <laughs> makes a good point. Uh, last episode, I was made fun of for having somebody, a friend, who helps out around the house. Okay, and basically, the purpose of my friend is to try to make my wife less angry at me at all times, which is. 
Uh, she's feeling spectacularly, but she's trying. So, Matt, what is going on? This is the laundry. This is laundry 20, laundry 2020. Laundry <laughs> mystery. If, if Matt, I what's going right, on? If I remember right, the question was, what chore do you hate the most? Uh -oh. right? no, 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 no. That's not what the that's <laughs> no. not what the What was the question? Was, no, no, no. What was the question? Ask, it doesn't matter. Did, did we ask Johnny Cochran? <laughs> the question to join was, us which, the, is, is Johnny Cochran and Beck did it better today? Is this Robert yeah. Kardashian joining us? Yeah. Is Bill Clinton? What it depends on what the meaning of is is. Yeah. Matt, I am at your house. I am watching the laundry get folded. What am I seeing? <laughs> little Maury Povich? No, I don't know. So this is a multi- I categorically deny this. <laughs> yeah. So the, the question was, what chore do you hate the most? I hate folding laundry. Oh. Nobody asked so if I actually folded the laundry. What would you do? What's like the solution? That. What's the solution? So the solution is, and we also talked about, and I don't think my mom knows what podcasts are, so I don't think she's going to catch up with this unless my <laughs> wife shares it. Why are all but, your shirts so wrinkly that you're wearing? <laughs> <laughs> I bet Matt just throws away all his clothes yeah. after one use and goes and buys <laughs> new ones with podcast yeah. revenue. Guys, these yeah. paper pants are revolutionary. Cha that's why you buy so many champion <laughs> double-knit sweatshirts. He's like out there folded. Yeah. Just buy you like, my, like the one I got on right now? That, got a nice yeah. Vikings one. Oh, yeah, there you go. 38 bucks. eBay. It's nice. All right. Let's 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 wrap this up. Oh. Um, <laughs> yeah, we, we're very busy. So two things. My mom comes over, watches my kids for about three hours, a yeah, couple mom. times a week. Right? She's retired. She Who's makes mom? the kids She's got do nothing it. Nothing going on. She oh. she comes over. She Ooh. folds my laundry. My mom comes over and folds my laundry. I'm 39 years old. I'm a millennial. My mom comes over <laughs> and folds my laundry. Wait, wait, wait. wait. Excuse me a second. It's 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 time for one on one with Aaron's Matt. Oh yeah. And when I, I mean, say one on one, smart. what I mean is that she's finding one sock and then another sock and putting them together. <laughs> and meanwhile, Matt was yelling at her about the list. God damn it, Mom! Rolling Stone changed a list. Oh, and by the way, you you didn't put away the shirt in the right drawer. Put it in the wrong shelf. So no. It started out as a thing where, she, you know, we had laundry and I was going to fold it. She's like, well, I'll just fold it. I mean, this is years ago now, though, right? So, I mean, we're talking, this has been going on for a very long time. So, and Krista knows that it. it's a big joke. Krista from Minneapolis knows it. So, ha ha, Krista, you got me. <laughs> Kristen, whatever your name is. But, oh, now you're calling her by the wrong name. Yeah. It's not just me. Right. Oh, or whatever. He, or whatever. He's mad now. This is mad, Matt. I love it. No. So, my mom does it. It's very nice. In return, I get I, I all I ask for for my birthday, all I ask for wait, for Christmas, no, 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 wait every year is nothing. Just <laughs> keep holding my clothes, and I'm happy. So thank you. So I could go. I could go. I got. A, I got a thing in my right over there in that drawer in my in my kitchen that says one year's worth of of laundry folding for my mom. So that's what we got. We're uh, you know go ahead. All these weeks of me yep. being ripped on for not being a fully functioning adult, not knowing how to pick out properly live flowers. And yeah. it turns out I can do my own laundry and let and let my grass grow too long. And Matt can do that, but he can't do his own laundry. His I mom also, shows up. To I feel like I should issue a Beck did a better apology for all the people who have contributed to the GoFundMe I started for a laundry <laughs> folding service for Matt. <laughs> <laughs> so everybody who contributed. Yeah. Uh, maybe let's take some suggestions for what else you'd want to give that money to. Because uh, I started this GoFundMe for Matt, and uh, turns out yeah, I didn't need yeah. to. Yeah. Matt Matt's bought four sweatshirts of the list, and all he gives to his mom is a homemade paper certificate. 
Hey, on the backside, it says free back rub. I mean, it sounds like when I get my wife for her anniversary, man. Give me a break. It's gold star every week. Keep it up, mom. Yeah. I'm going to email your mom a copy of this podcast. I think she'll love it. Yeah. That's Joan, weird. thank you very much. We appreciate it. You do a great job. Thanks for everything. Thank you. So there, is that better? It's not that I don't know how to fold my laundry. I hate folding laundry though. <laughs> my mom knows it. She folds it for us. So no, I'm not, I'm not going to apologize for it. I'm, uh, I'm just going to eat that one and go. So well, you right. certainly didn't fully disclose okay. it last time. That's yeah, really yeah, sure. Yeah, that was noticeably the, absent. You guys, you guys didn't, t- you didn't say what is the chore you don't like to do? What is, we well, just then said, you what also is your least favorite chore? your mom to take care of. Yeah. Right. Yep. Yeah. So lie by, right. it's a lie by omission. Thanks, Kirsten, from Minneapolis. (laughs) (laughs) Well, no, wait. I don't know if we're done with this yet. Can I have your mom's address? Because I have a certificate here for two years of free laundry folding that I want to send her. (laughs) I think that would help. All right. All right. That's enough. Break it up, you two. That was one-on-one with Aaron's mom. Oh, yeah. (laughs) That's good. I don't think we've had a mom. I don't think we've had a one-on-one of the moms for a while. Yeah, it's, oh, been a, it's been a minute. It's been a minute. Well, hey, let's say, Krista, appreciate you listening. Always appreciate you calling in. So Appreciate all of our listeners, all. no doubt. Yeah. I don't. They're dumb as shit to listen to this shit. Get a life, oh, you guys. Oh, oh, oh. <laughs> oh, my God. Yeah, and you know what? I'm above our listeners. Oh, I'm a listener. I like to. You know what? We're making the content. You guys are adding like two minutes a week. We're doing the heavy lifting here. But please keep calling in. I'm sorry. I'm going to edit that out. (laughs) (laughs) Just get mad. Just get mad at the listeners. All right. Double voicemail. That's right. It's a double voicemail. So let's check what's going on. And this voicemail voicemail. caller might surprise you. All right. Little Andy calling with take two of the Aaron anecdote of the week. So earlier this week, uh, the day before the Blonde on Blonde episode came out, I went over to pick up some artwork that I uh, bought from a local artist. Went to his house to pick it up. And when I picked uh, it up, uh, he said, thing to do. Yeah. is your brother Aaron Humble the brain. trombone player? I shit you not. That's what he said. Uh, so Aaron's uh, trombone prowess reaches far and wide. The thing about this, too, is that this gentleman is from our hometown, it turned out. But he was not in high school at the same time as Aaron. So somehow uh, Aaron's you know, trombone playing, even though he wasn't the first chair, uh, was, was transcending even, so uh, even the high school classes as well. So moral of the story, I guess I didn't realize until this week. That my brother was the trombone shorty of Ankeny, Iowa. Uh, thanks for everything you do, guys. I do listen to every episode front to back and, uh, and look forward to everyone. Take care. So he's the one. He's the one. Let me apologize for making one. fun of our listeners. I understood less of that than I've understood of Bob Dylan lyrics. Uh, he was just rambling about something with Aaron and his trombone. Yeah. I have no clue what he was so, saying. So let, me, let, me, let me sum up. Let me sum up. He, that, was a, that was a classic Aaron's family type story where it lasted very long. Uh, <laughs> Basically, the story was that he went in to to get a piece of art uh, from an artist that nobody's ever heard of. And then he uh, somebody said, oh, said the last name, which I'm probably going to edit out and said, oh, are you is is Aaron your brother? I went to I remember him playing trombone, did not go to school with him. This is from somebody years later. So there's some sort of plaque with Aaron with a trombone that says like people just know Aaron as a trombone player. Yeah, best tromboner, Aaron. Biggest tromboner I, ever in Iowa. Stuff like I that. I tried not to play this up too much, but I was really good at the trombone in, in junior high and high school. I don't want to, like, obviously, I'm a legend in certain circles. Hey, hey it, 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 I don't know if you guys know this, but people know him. Yeah, it might not run in the family either. Your brother calling in. 
just so you guys know, when I was going in to buy some artwork last yeah. week, like what what the what the hell is that? I'm gonna call him right up and see what that artwork was. I'm I'm, I'm curious to see what the artwork was because I've been trying to buy him some artwork. I don't want to buy the same one. So this is like when Matt goes into a store and they ask, like, "Hey, is you're the you're the mom who does all the laundry?" <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah, Matt, the one whose mom does all the laundry. <laughs> The backline is just a, a pot of gold uh, that just yeah, keeps and, on giving. And, so it's essentially, you're a famous trombone player, but you acted like you weren't a few weeks ago. I don't think I, I mean, maybe I didn't. I, I, well, would you call yourself the trombone shorty of Ankeny, Iowa? Yes. Except Grant All Dickinson right. was first, first chair. Wow. How is that possible that somebody remembers you for playing trombone and you suck? You weren't even better than Grant Dickinson. <laughs> I don't know. I mean, I'm, maybe I had wah, more panache. Wah, wah. Do, 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 do. Maybe, maybe it was more about panache than you know technical proficiency. Maybe I just had style. Maybe Grant's working in the art store now. I'm <laughs> working in the art store. I got to call him. I got to call my brother up and figure yeah. out. I got to get to the bottom of this. I worked really hard in school. I practiced my trombone. I was first chair over probably the most. I was first chair over this kid who had purple John Lennon glasses on <laughs> and I uh, now work in an art store in Iowa. So, <laughs> Hey, Look are you interested now. in this picture of a field? I also have this picture of a barn. <laughs> oh wait, no, that's it's not a, a picture. That's a window. Sorry. I was trying to sell you this window. I apologize. It's just an entire wall of paintings of the field of dreams. Like there's just one wall <laughs> dedicated to the field of dreams in Dyersville. And then everything else is, you know, variations on the theme. So, uh, yeah, so I like that when the uh, the voicemails don't make fun of Russ and I. Nice job, mm. voicemails. Keep that up. I like it when you guys we are... We haven't heard from Barry in a while. It's been disappointing. I hope Barry's okay. I uh, uh, I don't what? think Barry ever got published, period, actually. The backline sounding as good maybe, as ever tonight. I think Barry, Barry hit edit the editing... Point, edit point. Yeah, Barry hit the cutting room floor. Did he? Okay. <laughs> I, can't, I actually can't remember. I don't listen to the episode, so I don't know. <laughs> What did it? God, so I was with a coworker in a Zoom call and they referenced the podcast. And I was like, oh, yeah. When did we talk about that? Like, I, I really, guys, I have no idea what we've talked about most of these episodes. Like, if you said, what were what did we talk about? Episode zero. Do you have any idea what we were doing? Big bopper. No, that was like two episodes ago. That was like two Siamese weeks ago. dream white album. We were, you know, oh, yeah. Rosie and I were saying how great it was. And all of a sudden Rolling Stone comes in and just completely rips our heart out. and <laughs> throws the white album up to like 30 something now. Matt obviously has some things to discuss on this podcast. This is when, you know, we have lots of content planned is when we're talking about old episodes that literally happened about six weeks ago. We're like, remember that? That was so great. Self-referential. Uh, yeah, exactly. Uh, rolling going, everybody. We're going to get into rolling going as soon as I find the sound clip. Oh my God, there's so many sound clips. I mean, guys, if you listen, okay, you want to see the Just sound clip? Just play the honky talk man one. Play I the know, honky talk man. I got, I got this. Right? My hair slicked back. And then I've got this. <laughs> and then I've got this. Like, none of this is any good. <laughs> warning, warning. Cannot find the right sound clip. This is all useless. There's too many sound clips. Rolling going. Let's see. What okay, even rolling is happening? Going. Rolling going. How's it going? Uh, everybody, rolling going. How's it going? Tell me how's it going. Uh, Russell, rolling going. How's it going for you? Rolling going. Sometimes the days are good. Sometimes the days are a little rougher. I can never tell with this online dating world if things are going well or not going well. And Part of me just wants to give it up and try to just start meeting women in the real world again. But I'm curious from your guys' perspective, if I'm at a grocery store or I'm just oh. out in public, 
can I just go approach someone and say, hey, I noticed you over there. Like, uh, you know, I was looking for the coffee section. Can I go or, or is it the mask thing that does it away or, or are we not allowed to talk to people in person anymore? I, I, as somebody who's living in New York City right now, do not I would never, ever talk to somebody in a public space. Right. Okay? That is a good way to find out that somebody has a brick in their purse and they're looking to hit you with it. It's, that would be enormous. I couldn't even tell you what a faux pas that would be. <laughs> and it's almost impossible when I'm in Minnesota all summer and I come back here and I find myself looking at everybody's eyes and they immediately look at me like, what the fuck are you looking at? And I'm like, oh, I'm so sorry. And I'm just looking at my shoes. I don't know, Russell. Can you can you really go out and meet people? Just does that even happen? I mean, I think that's just a movie thing, right? I don't think it happens, but but sometimes you you think you may have to go back to the basics. Because wouldn't the first thing you have to ask, like, are you married? I don't know. Like that's and that's not a good opening line. Trust me. I think that's on them to volunteer that information. Like you're just at the grocery store. You're there buying your coffee. You strike up a conversation. I feel that the mask has a lot of freedom. It, It it reminds me of my thoughts about pretending everyone is high. I just feel oh, yeah. that when you're wearing a mask, people only hear about 60% of what you say. So you just mm. like, you know, be free, throw it out there, say what you say and see what everybody, see what comes back. You know, Rosie, that's a good point. I think when everybody's wearing a mask, I think they really only hear about 60% of what people say. <laughs> so I think that's a good thing. Um, <laughs> uh, I don't have anything further to go with that joke. I, what, like, what are you going to do in the grocery store? Like, go up and be like, nice melons. Like, I, what do you, what can do you I, Can I help you carry your watermelon to the car? Or like, oh, I see you've bought 25 pounds of ice. Perhaps you're having a party. Would you like someone to <laughs> attend? And Can I come? Thank you God. Parties? I like parties. This is pathetic, guys. <laughs> I don't know. I mean. <laughs> wow, you're buying a lot of bacon. Like, what? I mean, nothing you, what can you say at a grocery store that's actually a good pickup line? One of my buddies' moms will do your laundry. <laughs> <laughs> Ooh, oh, no, no, wait, wait. We're not, we're not, no, that, that we're not going to, uh, pour that out, the laundry stuff. I got to save all that for me. I can't, we're not going to allow that to happen. <laughs> <laughs> well, I thought you weren't going to let us do that as a running bit. And I was like, no, that is, oh, no, that no, is no. this week's That's running fine. bit. That's a running bit. I like Rob's idea. Like, if you see, uh, if you see someone you're interested in buying a lot of bacon, I think that is a point of conversation and you could talk about, Mm -hmm, you know, mm -hmm. I think, I think, you know, in advance you could read up on the best techniques for, you know, mass cooking large quantities of bacon. You could say like, Oh, Hey, I see you're buying a lot of bacon. I have thoughts about how to cook, you know, bacon for a crowd or, you know, how to freeze bacon. They're getting the little, uh, they're getting the little wieners to go with them. So you got the bacon wrapped smokies, you know, I mean, the little wieners. I would date all of us. We have a lot of (laughs) things to say about groceries. Russell, if they're products. putting if they're putting little wieners oh, and no, huge no. meatballs into a cart, <laughs> no, I got the perfect no, pickup line for no, you. No. And like taco really shells or something. To go you're there. Sad. I, I was really oh. just talking about groceries. Oh, I, so, I yeah, have a we, great double stuff Oreo joke I haven't even said yet. Oh, we no. we might be right. We might be right. Maybe I just need to stick with the online failure as opposed to the in-person failure. So we we might need to just move on. This doesn't seem like a good so, idea at all. Uh, we weren't actually in the corner, but we should hop out. Time's up. Get out of the corner. That was Russell's advice corner. Oh, yeah. So, Russell, more good advice. I hope you you can do with that advice what you want. You're getting tons and tons of good advice. Rolling going, man. How's it going? It's going good. It's going, you know, I think I've settled down. Like I said from last episode, I've settled down a little bit. Um, Uh I realized that there's some really, really 
I can Big never tell artist. when Matt's angry. Matt is what exactly the same. Episode? Well, Matt was furious last episode. Apparently, they changed, did not notice. Yeah, that was the one where they changed up uh, the list on us. Oh, okay, you know, and so we were started talking about these. I don't know. I can't believe it. Still a little bitter, but you know, I, was, I, 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 I'm fascinated by the new list, and Rosie's got me even more fascinated um, by talking about it and how excited he is that. You know they they've extreme they've just changed it up big time. I still think there's a few artists that have been left off, and I just want to ask you a couple of them to get your guys' thoughts on it. All um, right, I like a quiz. I like a yeah. quiz. Yeah. Uh, the first one I've got is uh, who? Uh, no, Hootie and the Blowfish and Cracked Rear View, their album from 1994. Your thoughts? I thought this was a phenomenal album. Just from a front to back, new kind of way of doing music, and it kind Can of changed up. Can we pull up a hit song? That's a hard one for me to say because Darius Rucker's voice is just so good that I just can't imagine having five hundred albums and not including him. Mm-hmm. I don't think the music is groundbreaking in in any way, but yeah, like I mean, he's got to be a top. Well, I don't, I don't. I mean, the whole idea of a list is crazy, but. He's a great voice, so I think if he made a great album, uh, I think it should be on the list, especially if it's but going do you out think, as far as 500. By the way, their website is hootie.com. That's just a, that's a PR can I, coup Can right I tell there. you guys? How the, did they the get coolest? hootie.com? That's how you know you're a band that came out right when the internet was starting. Yeah, Aaron, you'll probably right like there. this. The, the coolest hootie moment I've ever had is I saw Garth Brooks live at the Viking Stadium a few years ago, and Hootie and the Blowfish or Darius Rucker, whatever you want to call him or his country band, Open for Garth, and they played "Purple Rain" by Prince. Oh, geez, I would have lost my damn mind. I would have absolutely lost my mind. Yeah, I think he's one of. He's a great voice. You really are going nuts about Hootie. I can't believe it. I mean, I don't love the band or the music. I just, I think he's got a great voice, and it came out in 1994. Like I was a freshman in high Greatest. school in 1994. So, yeah. so you're saying the came for music of all time. Anything that you're came out in 1994. So Hootie. Hootie uh, Bush, OMC, how bizarre! No doubt, all that stuff Bush, is going to like hit me in the nostalgia bone. Like I, I'm not the right person to answer. The, like I'm, I'm extremely biased Herbie when Man, it comes to Bush, things Bush. from that that era. I think nostalgia bone was a band we listened to on one of these lists one of these times. Yeah, I don't think it's all great right. Music, so I'm going to play I mean, what is obviously the best Hootie and the Blowfish song of all time. It's going to be a little loud. I'll turn it down as soon as I can. Is this the one with Dan Marino in the the video or not? Oh my god, I've forgotten the videos. Remember how big those videos were? It's oh. like Dan Patrick and all the ESPN guys. and Right. Oh, totally. But Matt and Aaron and I just sing it. This Later song. Time. I love this song. Love the tears Nailed it. Oh, yeah. But here's what I don't get about Hootie. Yeah, like, I mean, this, like, this is the corniest shit ever, but his voice is so great that, like, I think it belongs in the top 500 albums just to have this voice in there. But like, really? Wow. When you talk about a top 500 albums of all time, something has to be in there about, you know, they sold X amount, right? I mean, there's the ones who are like groundbreaking and new wave and all that stuff, but there's also just straight up, they just sold a ton of albums, right? To be fair, this would get like into the Garth Brooks conversation, right? So that, I mean... So Garth Brooks is on my list of, uh, we'll just go to that. There's, there's a number of them, but how is the country artists that are on here, Miranda Lambert and somebody else from 
2011. Uh, some guy I never heard of. No Taylor offense, Swift. but Miranda, Taylor, no. Miranda Lambert's the one where if she's at playing at a Garth Brooks concert, that's where everyone's running to the the bar to get a drink <laughs> when she's playing. Well, yeah. Garth, I think Eric Church. I think Eric Church was it, but like, how, Garth. Get, how get is, the hell out of here with Eric? Gee, what the hell? He's yeah, on Eric, the list, Eric. but how how is how is there not a Garth Brooks album on this list when he sold a gajillion number of them? I mean, he's so influential. He was a force too. I mean, I don't think you know people I mean? realize like if yeah, you grew I up mean, in that time, you you knew Garth Brooks songs, whether you listen to country or not. Like, it's crazy. Right. I only know friends in low places because of people we went to college with. I, I'm, you, Garth, you've got to know, know more like, Garth Brooks songs, Aaron. Yeah, I you guarantee you. You have to you know do. more Garth Brooks songs than that. I know the one um, to make you feel my love, which is actually about Dylan's song off of Time Out of Mind, which we've discussed oh on another. <laughs> what the shit? He episode. even knows random. He knows like legit random Garth Brooks songs <laughs> that we've never heard of. No, I'm that's saying like, I, I don't. I don't hate on Garth, but uh, I, that's where I, I, I would. I would. I would agree with Hootie, but not with Garth. But I'm. That's, I'm just one dork with an opinion. So whatever. Yeah, and it's a dumb shit opinion. You think Hootie should be in before Garth Brooks? I kind of do. <laughs> Get your that's wife weird, back right? on the porch. That doesn't make any sense. I know. <laughs> well, like, that's terrible. Aaron, you have to. You have to recognize. Like, if Garth Brooks comes to a city, he can sell out 15 concerts over two weeks. Like there are no other artists in the world who can do that. Yes. Right. Oh yeah. I mean, I don't like. And he had, and he had actual albums. And if Garth like showed up, like, and great. Yeah. on this porch I'm sitting on, I would kiss him right on the mouth, and I'd be like, "Let's play some tunes." But mm-hmm. I don't, I don't know any Garth albums that would like really, you know, move me. To be fair, Aaron's wife really... looks exactly like Garth Brooks. <laughs> yeah, she even has a shirt with the four things yeah. on it. I was gonna say something, but I didn't want to. Kind of slightly overweight. Wears the shirt with like the tucked yeah. in jeans and yeah. everything, and, and the boots. Yeah, I don't. And, I don't want to come hands. off like I'm hating on. And his Garth. head I'm looks like it's to, just like, a little too big. I don't know of an album that would work in the top 500, but like I, I think Garth is a force of nature. Aaron doesn't know any Garth Brooks albums, but he knows that I stole my dog album, whoever that was by <laughs> uh, Captain Oxtail. <laughs> That's what we're dealing bone. with here. Yeah. That's what we're dealing with. Uh, okay, else, I'll, I'll, what else is on the list of Matt that got? I that got, got a lot. Of, I got a lot owned. of them. We'll save some for the next. Matt oh, is no, let's bring it. I love let's it. bring it on. Let's um, bring it on now. The last one. Let's talk about is Lincoln Park in Hybrid Theory came out in two thousand. Now, this absolutely, in my opinion, kind of shifted from the grunge era yeah. to much more of a. I don't know. It's not. It's not like it's like a rap. It's like a rap rock, right? Rap rock, but it's even a little more like uh, studio ish, where they kind of you know composed everything in a studio as opposed to live. But the live stuff is absolutely phenomenal. If Lib you hear some, did it better. I don't know oh, that oh, particular Kid Rock. Kid Rock, Lib Biscuit. Is that the type of same type of thing as? I feel Lincoln like Park? I'm back in eighth grade reading what somebody has written on the desk in the class before me. It's like I don't know that cool, particular Lincoln Park Lib album, Biscuit. but I have. I have a take on Lincoln Park that you guys aren't going to care about, but I'm going to say it anyway. Which never is never stopped you before. Don't hype it up too it much, Aaron. Never stopped me. I I don't think that the that I think Lincoln Park and by extension Fort Minor were a big influence uh-huh. on Hamilton the musical, and so oh. I got to give Lincoln Park their props <laughs> because I'm I can uh-huh. I, I know Lin 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 Manuel Miranda was a big Nailed fan it. of uh, <laughs> it, right. He's a big fan of the far side and also East Coast hip hop. But like when you when you watch and listen to Hamilton, you know he listened to Lincoln Park and Fort Minor. So I, I gotta give props to them. I don't know that particular album, Matt, but I, I, I agree they were they were a major cultural force in the in the aughts. Oh, uh-huh. 
That was Aaron's left field taken. That's not even, what that's the hell even that far left field. About? Come on. That's oh, like, are you fucking serious? <laughs> Aaron, you just brought Lincoln Park. Did a bear eat part of your brain that makes a logical connection? You just connected Lincoln Park and Lynn Wellman, Manuel Miranda. Damn it, now you got me saying it like that. Sorry, I fucked it up. I guarantee he has listened to Lincoln Park. But don't let me stop you from playing Matt's song. I was trying to fill the time until you can pull Matt's song up. It was getting intense. I cannot. And then you get mad about me playing the sound bit. <laughs> Guys, this might be the end of the podcast. We made it all the way. Somehow we made it to album nine and three. That's the no, farthest yeah, we got. Technically, we've only made it to three albums. That's a bunch of crap. By the way, to all four women who are listening to us to finally talk about like Joni Mitchell, just wait. We're talking about Lincoln Park here for just a second. Yeah, I was I was really trying to agree with Matt here. I'm sorry that I didn't come. Sometimes I'm not, I'm not that articulate with my thoughts. Yeah, dumb as hell. All I want to be with you. Oh, yeah. I mean, this is a jam. I'm Hamilton. I'm Hamilton. (laughs) I'm a guy with a gun or something. The tickets are too expensive. I want to see about fiscal policy. My wife wants to go to the show, but I don't want to. They get way into fiscal policy in that show. No doubt. I'm aware. It doesn't even matter how hard you try. Keep that in mind. I'm designed just right to explain in due time. Oh, I hear, I hear Lynn Mel. Guys, I want to go play hacky sack. I don't know about you guys. <laughs> I was really trying to read in to, you know, how 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 did they come up with this list, right? And you know, they, there's there's 300 people that they asked to vote, okay, and they, the editors basically said that if it's a best album of all time, if you hear it the first time, or you hear it the hundred first time, you're learning something new. I completely get that with like Pet Sounds. I completely get that with Sgt. Pepper. I completely get that with a ton of these albums. You know, it's so it's hard for me, you know, like Garth Brooks, are you going to get something the 101st time you hear Garth Brooks? Maybe not. But I still think there's got to be a place on this list for best-selling albums of all time, even if they are somewhat simple because maybe they're country. I'm not going to say that it is simple. Um, no. But I think... But you know, you're saying I, commercial success should matter. I think it should. If you're talking about the best albums of all time, like people put their hard-earned money down, bought it, right? And so that's where I think we're going to talk about uh, Blue and how this is number three on the list. And, you know, we'll get into that later. But, you know, I just, I, I, I was trying to find someone's that. <laughs> that's the wrong one. It's the. God damn it. It's the is other it, Blue, Rob. I got, um, I, I'm sorry, guys. I have to make a political joke. If commercial oh, no. success mattered, we wouldn't have an electoral college. The number of if the number of if the number of people buying your crap meant something, then you know, then then all that would matter. Am is I in Hamilton live, right now? You know what I'm saying? Like, so I, I feel it you, kind, Matt, but, 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 like, but I also think is, like, well, the number of people who bought something is first of all whatever, and secondly, but Aaron, don't you, know, you think it should? I didn't say. Works. But I didn't say that was like the number one thing. I said it should be considered. Okay, don't I feel you that. think I feel that, that, that like it could be a ten-hour episode? Don't you think that consumer satisfaction? <laughs> You're the one who matter? said, hey, I don't Rob's go to work tomorrow. I'm ready out. to go. <laughs> yeah, yeah, let's do this. <laughs> no, no, Sorry, no. Russell. I knew, Russell, guys, listen, listen, I knew we were going to be talking about Lincoln Park and uh, Hamilton or whatever the show we're, is. Uh, Russell's listen. trying to talk and I'm listening. Okay, we're listening to Russell. He's got something very important to say. Russell. I have nothing important to say. Roll and go on Aaron. Move on to Aaron. Oh. <laughs> I made him mad. So, I'm sorry. So Aaron's been listening to a lot of Lincoln Park. No, you didn't make me mad at all, <laughs> no. Aaron. I just I, we've hit a point of of complete uh, debacle. At, no at going this back. Point. I do think that Garth Brooks. Garth Brooks should be on the list. I mean, he he 
there's the number of people that got into country music because of Garth Brooks. I mean, it, it's it's insane. Anyway, I'm rehashing old stuff. I'm going to edit all this shit out. Okay. What am, what am I up to? Rolling going. Matt, did you have anybody else on the list? No, uh, I got Give a, me one I more, a few Matt. lists. Well, one more. One more. Um, this is slightly, Aaron's going to, Aaron might reach through and punch me. But oh, I love it. I, I love when Matt and Aaron get mad at each other. Oh, Normally everyone's mad at me. Russell, you and I are BFF right now. Yes. I think Matchbox 20, yourself and someone like you, should be a top 500 album of all time. That thing sold the shit out of it. And it had, uh, it, was, it was great. It was I, a great album. I think they still perform at Mystic Lake Casino, too. Yeah. <laughs> I saw Matchbox 20 open for the Rolling Stones on the Voodoo Lounge Tour. And they got booed off in cool. 10 minutes. You no, knew. they didn't. Yeah, they did. Absolutely. Everybody <laughs> they got was booed off them. in yeah, 10 were, minutes. You know that it was going to be because they played Semi-Charmed Kind of Life as like their second song because they knew like nobody survives in front of the Rolling Stones. You think a bunch of Rolling Stones fans were excited to see Matchbox 20. They they sat down I the whole concert. Think, well, that's fine. I don't think they got booed off in 10 minutes, though. Well, we all know that my memory is very good because I definitely yeah. remember them opening with that cricket song, as I talked about earlier. So this is uh, rolling going. Aaron, how's it going? Uh, it's going good. It's going pretty good. Uh, I just want to say I'm confused because I feel like I agreed with Matt and at least half of his choices. So I don't, I don't think Matt and I are mad at each other at all. I, no, it's been decided. You guys I, are mad. Respectfully, I, I disagreed like when the with two most reasonable and smartest people on options. the podcast don't agree. And Rob but, and I just kind of sleep, yeah, sleep like by this. like nobody <laughs> notices that we're the yeah. idiots here. Yeah. So, so I think I think uh, Matt and I respectfully disagreed fight. on a couple of those. Fight, but fight. I agree with. We're you. We're gonna have to have it fight after episode talk again. I love it. I can't get enough. But uh, <laughs> it's I'm my favorite. Uh, I'm rolling pretty good. Uh, we're in Lake Tahoe again uh, because there was a heat wave in Oakland this weekend. So we thought, let's get out of town. Uh, so we went a to life. a new went to a new lake today, which was really nice. And uh, I swam around Wait, in an Alpine Lake. Tahoe. Wait, yeah. a new lake. You're at Lake Tahoe. But there's lots of little alpine lakes all around that are really beautiful. And Tahoe was too windy and cold today, so we had to find another spot. This all just sounds terrible the way I say it. But I do want to say what I'm into is I bought a jar of tomato sauce, which I haven't done for a long time. I usually try to make my own tomato sauce, and it's oh terrible. Oh, my God. And so I bought a jar of tomato sauce, roused tomato sauce, and uh, put it on some ravioli tonight for dinner. Are they paying you? I felt like a really wonderful chef. It was great. And uh, I'm going to start buying more tomato sauce because uh, trying to make it yourself is just not that right. So that's where I'm at. I'm good. So tomato sauce. <laughs> yeah, we all, we're all we're all just completely. <laughs> if, if I went out on a first date and started talking about my homemade tomato sauce, <laughs> I, I, I should probably be canceled from online dating. <laughs> but I feel like it would probably be better than any of my opening material anyways right now. Like, would, th- would this work for me? Can you imagine Aaron at the grocery store picking up a woman like, yeah, hey, buying tomato sauce? I normally make mine, but I started buying it. It's really good. <laughs> hey, what's that pepper spray bottle in your hand? <laughs> <laughs> the whole point of the story was that buying it is way better than making your own. Well, I've been getting my tomato sauce sent to me by Matt's mom, so I don't know. It's, it's, I think it's pretty good. This is a we had this joke on the we, you guys were at your chicken joke right your chicken in a can thing right and you you said hey here's my chicken 
Here's my can. Here's a chicken in the can. Right. So you sent in the text this week, right? I did. Yeah. Rob said, By how do way, you make a metal it? Box. This, metal box. Metal box. Yeah. Metal this box. is, the, this is yeah. a secret look into our exciting text that we send <laughs> each other. It's just references back to the podcast. But, every, but Rob's like, how do you cook a chicken? And I was like, well, there's six bucks at the grocery store. Like, I mean, it's well, the same I, thing so, with tomato the thing sauce. About, right? the, the chicken to me is different because it's a, it's a ritual. <laughs> I enjoy making the chicken every week. It's good for me he to make it. draws a star it, on the ground. Break it he down. He takes the chicken out. Like the- <laughs> he prays to the god of the netherworld. So that to me is Then he slices but- the chicken five times, speaking in ancient Greek. I'm in Tahoe. I'm talking about a place where the beer yeah. flows like wine, where the women instinctively flock to the salmon like a the capistrano. Salmon capistrano. You know, I didn't know that it was as swallow as a capistrano until I actually drove through capistrano. <laughs> About four years ago. So <laughs> until I was like 35, I thought it was literally the salmon of Capistrano. I was like, oh, it's the swallows of If Capistrano. you're watching Dumb and Dumber and you watching that as a nonfiction movie, you're probably going to be surprised a lot throughout your life. Did you pick up any homemade tomato sauces on that trip, Matt, or not? No. Uh, no. Matt's been, Matt's been ahead of the curve. He's been buying jarred tomato sauces for years. No. Have you ever bought no. a jar of tomato sauce and then finished it? Well, that's that's going to be the next challenge. I don't know if I'm going to make it. I don't think I don't think I ever have. I bet I bought a hundred jars of tomato sauce and finished zero of them. Every like, time Aaron brings up one of these things, I kind of laugh and question it, and then I think, well, maybe he's doing everything correctly and I'm doing it incorrectly. And it's like I don't have a compost bin. I don't have homemade <laughs> tomato sauce. I go through KFC when I want fried chicken. I want to know how much Aaron works. It seems like he works like one hour a week. That's where He's doing all is that, shit is that a cougar or a cat or what the hell <laughs> yeah, is Aaron that? Yeah, Aaron has that cat coming in on the Zoom. There's a a, 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 a fucking cat in the Zoom call right now. Yeah. And I it could wanna, be like yeah. a cougar. I didn't want to mention it. It's like, it's a, I don't know, it's a neighborhood cat who seems to have adopted us. And it's not even we, your cat. No, you're not even down, in your own neighborhood. No, it lives down the street. We texted the owner and she was like, oh yeah, he's kind of far away from home, but he's very friendly. So uh, I think he'll be joining us for the rest of the episode. I don't know his name, but he's now he's sitting on my lap and purring very you loudly. Should, so I hope you should the address on the tag, the, the name. Yeah, you should steal the cat and bring it home to stop that rat orgy that's going on in your garage all the time. <laughs> that your neighbors yeah. are complaining about. <laughs> the rats are living in this just jars and jars of pasta sauce that's out near his garage. <laughs> the neighbors are all mad. This cat like I left a, the deck a long time ago and has now come back. So I don't know. I guess it's my new best oh my friend. So. Aaron's like Aaron is literally like Mother Teresa. Like all the animals are flocking <laughs> to him. We're gonna see a big bear next to him. By the way, I know that you're sitting out in Tahoe and that you don't want. There has been like bears going into cars and grocery stores, and you're worried about bears eating you at night. But I will say this: if you hear anybody saying um, uh, the Chinese chicken. That means that instead of a bear, it is the bare naked ladies coming in. <laughs> and I didn't know how to put in that joke, but I've been thinking about it for a half hour. Number four on the list. <laughs> but what I'm really curious about is how it's rolling going with Rob. That's what I want to know. How's it rolling going with Rob? Okay, so uh, basically, uh, I have uh, been doing. Um, I've been doing a lot of work over Zoom. And I have a couple different computers. I have my work computer and my home computer. But then my daughters are also taking their classes now. They just started classes over Zoom. So my oldest daughter, Amelia, has been doing all of her classes. She just started a brand new middle school. So she's new in school. And the way this works is that it's all new kids from different elementary schools going into a middle school. Because in New York, you actually have to like get drafted into a middle school. It's very complicated. Mm-hmm. So these are all kids picked. that she doesn't know. She doesn't know the teachers. Picked. They've never met her in person. It's only been... Zoom calls. 
So of course, when she's using, she's she'll use my computer out in the living room, or she'll use my work computer to do her Zoom call because she likes the fact that my work computer is a laptop. You mean the podcast computer? Uh, well, no. Well, yes, it is the podcast computer, and it's so that is a questionable thing. What if my work finds out I've been using the computer to make the podcast, and then they demand that they have to keep all the podcasts themselves? Uh, Rob, we just need to delete this immediately for all of us right now. Oh no, I was thinking they would like. It's like you know, no, it's like this is a this is a non non discussionable point. This needs to be deleted. Like they own the podcast now, so they can do what Rob, they want, no, and they just send it out, this. and it gets downloaded like a million times, and we just are totally iced out. Oh, Oh my God, Rob so great. continues to make jokes, not realizing this needs to be deleted. Anyway, so Keep here's going, the Rob. thing is that here on my work computer and here's the school I work for and here's the address. And here's my room number uh, is that I once had a meeting with some friends from college. And so to make the meeting more fun, I put in a humorous name. Oh, no. OK, that was respectful to some women. Uh, oh, no. And so oh, then no. it turns out that when I start a meeting on my computer, that name doesn't come up. But if I were to join a meeting started by somebody else, which I don't do on this computer very often. And in fact, I don't think I've ever done it because I really had to think about it after the story. But my daughter does do that in a new middle school. So it turns out that she has been logging in to her school classes for two weeks no. under the name Norma. And then the last name is S-T-I-T-Z. So the name that I picked is Norma. Norma Stitz. <laughs> and wait how does it say that again norma stitz norma stitz so i so she has been going to every class and the teachers have asked her why does your screen say norma stitz and she goes i don't know and of course they won't let her change it she goes i don't know it's not a family name it's not anything so they have been she has been going to school as norma stitz <laughs> and then when I explained to her why that was even funny, she was like, "What, Norma Stitz?" And I was like, "Yeah, Norma Stitz." And she was like, "Norma Stitz?" And I, I like, she didn't even get it then. But then, to make me really proud, when this all, when we laughed about it for probably ten minutes and realized what terrible, I mean, I have to go to conferences, and I have to say, "Yeah, this is my daughter, Amelia." Oh, you mean Norma? Yeah, Norma Stitz, my daughter, oh, and I no. am also a teacher. Oh, no. Yeah, the teacher. And so I can tell that all the teachers are lame because none of them caught on to the joke. Because if a kid logged <laughs> into my class as Norma Stitz, I would know that immediately. Uh, my daughter did turn to me, and this made me very proud. She goes, Dad, you have to talk about this on the podcast. It's very funny. And I was like, yes, that's what I'm talking about. You know I need content so bad. So, yeah, no matter how bad your day is going, my kid has been going to school under the title Norma Stitz. So... <laughs> That's good stuff. That's how it's rolling going for you. That is really and that good. is how it's going. That pretty much sums up uh, how's it, how it's going for me. And it's going great. All right. So we are an hour and 20 minutes into the podcast. And we are going to talk now about Joni Mitchell. Uh, any experience with the Bander album? Uh, I'll go first. I'll, I'll say I, I never listened to Joni Mitchell ever until we did this, uh, the top 500 the first time. And I was listening through and this was the first album on the list that I listened to that I listened to more than once. I listened to it once. And then um, when my wife was around, I said, we got to hear this album. It's just the kind of music we, you'd love because we've seen, I don't know if you guys know Regina Spector at all. We've yeah. seen her in concert two or three I times and she's Uncle just Wales. beautiful, beautiful, same kind of music, just piano and voice. And we, I just love it. There's something about that folk voice with just one instrument. I just cannot get enough of that stuff. 
and and I played the album, and Jenny and I now love the album. I think it's great, and so now I'm super excited to be talking about it as, as high up as it is. I just am addicted to this album. I think it's great. Uh, Russ, any experience with Joni Mitchell or Blue before this? Before I listened to this album, admittedly, I do not recall ever hearing any of these songs on like the radio or on a playlist or anything. I don't think these are like big commercial hits. Um, but when I listen to it, it's kind of it feels very simple. It's this piano, it's guitar, it's her telling these stories. And it really the first time I listened to it, it felt like someone I would hear at a coffee shop or at a, a small bar while I'm waiting for my date who's never going to going to show up. Oh, no. And but. The one thing that jumped out to me is I didn't hear these like holy shit moments that we've heard on some of these other albums so far. And yeah. I started wondering, like, why is this in the top 10 when I've heard all these other albums where they, there's these huge musical moments on these other albums and, mm-hmm. that I wasn't hearing on this one. But I did a little research. I watched a documentary and I listened to this more and more. And I started kind of understand why this album resonates with people and had a greater appreciation for it. So I look forward to hearing more about what you guys think of it too. Uh, I'm going to go to Aaron next. Aaron, any experience with this album or Joni Mitchell in general? Yeah. My experience with Joni Mitchell in general um, is that I, my brother um, who is a uh, caller to the back line, who is I got to I got to go I got to go grab my piece of artwork. Our by the most, way, while while I'm doing this art pickup, I'm going to call into the backline. Yeah. Why did they call him little by the way? Most brilliant caller to the backline. Uh actually gifted me a uh, song to a seagull, which is Joni's uh it turns out it's, it's her first studio album. Uh and I it's a it's a good album. I've listened to it a lot. Um but it it's a little bit meandering in in some ways and so um I do also own Blue on vinyl and I've always listened to Blue um on occasion and not always, but I would say over the last, you know, 15 years, probably not that long, maybe 10 years. Uh, I've listened to blue on occasion. Uh, I think case of you is maybe one of the great love lost songs of all time. Um, so, so I, I have some experience with, with, um, Joni and this album, um, really didn't experience it in the way I think it's that it, uh, would change my mind uh, until we were listening for the, for the podcast. So I'm excited to talk about it. I have a lot of, uh, a lot of thoughts about it, but uh, my experience with her is probably limited to uh, song for seagull and, um, and this album. All right. And I wasn't able to go to Matt earlier because I did notice he muted himself. He was yelling at his mom for folding some pants wrong, <laughs> uh, but he's back now, Matt. What left are leg you? Over right leg left over right. <laughs> You know how you got like a, you, you got like it says Minnesota Vikings across your shirt. Yeah. Like you can't fold that in half. So no it's a crease down the middle. You got to fold it a third and a third until you see. see the, yeah, yeah. No, and they she need to know that it. it's it's important. Prepare yeah, that meatloaf medium rear while you're at it, mom. Firm, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> my okay. You're gonna ask what my experience. I have zero experience with Joni Mitchell. This is the stuff I typically run from um, the folk kind of one uh, one person in a guitar and talking about their feelings. And so I came in absolutely just dumbfounded how this is number three. I listened to it a couple of times, did a bunch of research. I, I'm coming out of it into this podcast, understanding it a little bit better, uh, having very high respect for it. It's still not my thing, but, you know, I think I, I get it. I get why people like it it's just not for me so I, I had zero experience coming into it this is one of the first albums where i got a text from a listener uh, a female listener who said how important this album was to her 
uh, growing up and how how great it was. I I do think we are missing out being four uh, males talking about this album. I think there's Absolutely. definitely something uh, extraordinarily feminine and at and but at the same time, it's like it's it's like a female singing about and being vulnerable and not just talking about love. Like I don't know what what how what I'm trying to say. I'm very dumb. It's universal. I think, I, I think one her, thing. One thing I would say is I think her message is very universal. It can apply to all types of people, right? It can apply to men, women. It can apply to all types of people of different races. Like if you listen to what she's singing about, it's very personal. Yeah. And so I can see why it would resonate with a lot of people. It's a female voice singing. So, so as a, as a dude growing up, it probably wasn't what we reached for or were uh, encouraged to reach for, but, but, what she's singing about applies to all of us, as Russell said. So I, I agree that it's a universal message. It is bizarre, though, isn't it? When I, when, you, when I was doing research for this, every single piece of research talked about every song and what relationship with some guy she was in and how that related to the song. I haven't seen that for any other artists that we've talked about. Like when, when the Beatles are singing, I want to hold your hand. They don't say, well, oh, this was written because John was dating this woman or this. Was, but Joni Mitchell, every single one of them was like, Oh, this was about Graham Nash, or this is about James Taylor. And I know that's because those guys are famous compared to like who the Beatles were talking about. But you have to think there's some sort of sexist double standard here going on where every single song of Joni's was related back to a man. Right. Like, isn't that ridiculous? No, I, I, I kind of dis- I, I disagree to some extent. I think I think she's singing about herself. Whereas if you listen to a lot of Beatles albums, there's a lot of nonsense in there. There's a lot of songs about fucking rocky raccoon or whatever like there's there's weird songs about the beatles but to be fair ringo did date a yellow submarine (laughs) i think it is the difference between what what they're actually singing about and what somehow gets documented and what we read about and yeah somehow the beatles bob dylan whomever were able to keep that private and mysterious and somehow those stories get out about Joni, and that's what's recorded and i don't i don't honestly know if that's what's she wanted it or not. I mean, but all that stuff is out there now. And, well, and now double, we know I this mean, is the, personal and it sounds the double personal, standard. Know I mean, that. Yeah. The double standard is probably all these uh, different reporters or whatever asking her, well, what does this mean? You know, this had to be talking yeah. about, so, you know, where they just, the, you wouldn't ask Jimi Hendrix about, his love. So who are you talking about? You know, they, Oh, what great guitar, Jimmy, you know, stuff like that. But don't you think that a Bob Dylan song, they asked like, Hey, is this about Joan Baez? It's not much different than this with, with James Taylor or Graham Nash. Right. But I mean, the other thing is is Bob Dylan, to his credit, just said nothing about nothing. Right. He just absolutely blew everything off. Said I don't need to talk. So I'm not saying Joni Mitchell, the stuff you read, it's like, well, in 1998, she finally said that this was about so-and-so and mm-hmm. things like that. You yeah. Know what I mean, like, so I don't know. I, I, I think just, the double standard. Yeah, it but. just seems to me when, when I, this is the first female artist that we've done and the first female artist I've done any research for. And it just seemed to me, it was really still somehow male centric when she's a solo female act. I, I just thought that was bizarre, but I do think it's a good point of, yeah, she's not singing about them. She is singing about herself in a way that we haven't herself. heard. Like we haven't heard the Beatles sing about how, they're scared about what happened or, or how they got dumped and they're really sad about it or, you know, how, what it's like to be dating somebody who's addicted to heroin. I I just think she does it in, in a way. And this was the first one where I looked up the lyrics and I was absolutely blown away to the mm. point where I, I copy and pasted some lyrics into this. It, it's just like poetry. And, and, and I don't get how come some people can write poetry and some people can't. Have you ever tried to read? Have you ever read like poetry that like a middle schooler writes? 
Okay, that's a weird question if you're not a teacher. Yeah. Let me rephrase that. <laughs> why is so much poetry, why why are some people good at this and some people aren't? Like if I wrote poetry and I showed you that compared to a good poet, would you be able to tell the difference? Why can why can some people hit a home run and some people can't? And why can some people, you know, run a 4-4-40 and some people can't? I mean, it's just, it's just kind of your skill set, right? You find out what you're good at and you you, you attack it. But Why can but, some podcasts get 1,000 total downloads and some get 1,000 per episode, right? Yeah, <laughs> idiots. I, so you think it's like a muscle that like you, you were either good at or you're not or you're born with? Like, is this something like, if I worked hard yeah. at it, could I write a song like Joni Mitchell? No, no. <laughs> come on, guys. Some people <laughs> have a way of connecting with people and some people don't. And she clearly does. Well, that's you a know, fucking like, dumb thing to say. I mean, oh. clearly, clearly. I mean, if you read kind of her history, she clearly struggled for a good four five, six years, mm-hmm. kind of touring up and down the, you know, yeah. Canada and, and stuff like that. I mean, if it's one of us, I mean, I give it a year and I'm done. I'm saying, oh, we got to get a real job. Right. I mean, if you have a passion and you chase it, I mean, those are the people in the end that come out on top. It's just, it's with anything. Yeah. And some and people so, say editing this podcast could be a passion that you have. And sometimes <laughs> if your family says, Oh, we want to do family things. And you just sit there editing your podcast. I'm kind of like the Joni Mitchell of editing podcasts. Kind of are. I <laughs> no, I, I read Joni Mitchell's Wikipedia page and she definitely got birthday candles for Graham Nash's cake two to three years in a row. So you're not the same, Rob. I didn't, I, I admit, I did not see any lyrics where she said, I'm going to drive home so fast. I'm so sad. <laughs> so let's put this album in context a little bit. This is Joni Mitchell's third album. Uh, this is she, I, I'm sorry, this is her fourth album. The first, after the first three, she had quite a bit of success, uh, especially after the, the second and third one, she decided to give recording music a break, which is kind of a theme in Joni Mitchell's life, right? Like she, she's pretty quick. She, she said that she's a, she's an artist who got sidetracked, like a, a visual artist who got sidetracked and she came out and she had some huge songs with, um, both sides now, big yellow taxi. And I wanted to play this for you, actually. This is her song, Woodstock. And and there's a great YouTube clip where she plays this. This is live from the BBC. But she talks about how she wrote this song. And basically, she was hanging out with Crosby, Stills, Nash at their first professional, like the first gig that they got paid for. And then everyone went up to Woodstock. And she wasn't able to go because she was stuck on some TV show that they, they wouldn't let her go. And so she had to watch it on TV. But I just want you to listen to this voice. This is live. Can I? And this has become like this is the story of Woodstock, right? Is yeah. this song? And it's amazing because when you watch her talk about it, you you kind of like you know she's like oh this is the, and then she starts singing it. It's so powerful. It's just unbelievable how talented she is. I saw an interview on a documentary with Crosby, Stills, and Nash, and or a couple of those guys, and they were essentially saying she decided her manager essentially told her not to go. You need to be on this interview. Yeah. And then that other band flew in and got in and out and made the same interview. So she missed out on it, which you could tell destroyed her. Oh. Because she should have been part of that. But when when those other bands look at that event, they look at her song providing a summary of the event and they say that's the real story of the event is her telling the story of it, which is pretty amazing. She went uh, to Europe and was vacationing. And at the time she was dating Graham Nash. Uh, and 
this is they knew they all knew each other because David Crosby had actually produced her first album. Stephen Stills had played bass on it. And while on vacation, the vacation was going so well that she sent a telegram to Graham Nash saying, we're done. You're Ooh, the relationship is over. Yeah. I've never gotten a breakup telegram. Normally, I just get flat ghosted. I have never gotten a, a breakup telegram. What have you? What's what's the worst? Anybody have a good breakup story? I've already told mine. I've I've not dated enough to have a ton of good breakup stories, but anything better than Telegram? Relationship over. Stop. If Matt or Eric could pipe up now, it'd make me feel a lot better about my life. If you could just <laughs> yeah. explain one time, I got where, like it doesn't have dumped, to be a Telegram. I got dumped for Jesus once. Uh, it's hard to argue with that. I guess yeah, was yeah. That like a guy was that a, like a guy you worked with or what? Too. No, no. It was just a girl who went to Bethel and, you know, she said just, you know, she kind of had a feeling that God was telling her that we shouldn't be dating anymore. So I feel like any comment here was going to go bad. John Lennon once made a comment about this and and they tried to cancel him for it. No, this podcast is bigger than Jesus. There's no doubt about that. Oh, yes. Um, So if you're going to get dumped for anybody, might as well be Jesus, I guess. But I got dumped once for the Holy Ghost. So I think that's worse. That would be way better, Matt, than if you found out like she dumped you to go out with Russ. That would be much more. That's a bummer. All right. Uh, so then she that, she guy was, who, that guy was like number three fiddle on the podcast. What do you mean? <laughs> this is the only podcast with with four th- third fiddles somehow. Yeah, um, we're all second forth. seat trombones on this podcast. <laughs> uh, so she she was writing this song as she was going across Europe. And you can hear that in a lot of the songs. Uh, she does a lot of alternate tunings on the guitar, which is why you get this interesting sound. It's the same that Bob Dylan does. Where there's a lot of open chords. Um, so there's a lot of chord changes that you don't normally hear in other music and a lot of interesting notes. Uh, and then uh, basically throughout this whole thing, she was dating James Taylor. He plays guitar on a lot of this album and really, really into him, like really thought that she had found a soulmate. And it apparently just totally destroyed her when he got big after this album. And guess what? He took off and dumped her. And that was like a huge part of her life and uh, so disappointed with her. He was also into heroin. I didn't realize, like, when I was listening to James Taylor's greatest hits from my parents' vinyl collection, I did not know, first of all, what a badass guitarist he is, and secondly, that mm-hmm. he was a heroin addict who left Joni Mitchell behind. What a weird existence. It's so wild. I, I, I love this quote from Joni Mitchell, and then we'll move on to some other stuff. But the Blue Album, there's hardly a dishonest note on the vocals. At that period of my life, I had no personal defenses. I felt like a cellophane wrapper on a pack of cigarettes. I felt like I had absolutely no secrets in the world that could pretend in my life to be strong or happy. But the advantage of it in music is there's no defenses there either. She played this for uh, Chris Christopherson and he said, damn, Joni, you got to hold something back. Like you don't have to tell everybody anything. And you hear it over and over and over. I mean, that sentence that I just read of her saying is 100% better than anything I've said on this podcast, period. A thousand downloads. That's the best thing that anyone has said. I mean, she just is like a, inherently a a poet it's unbelievable and this i know we're going to get into this track by track but the more we get into these albums the more i'm going to mentally and emotionally compare them to love supreme which i know is well down the list but love supreme to me is uh the john coltrane album love supreme is one of the greatest artistic expressions of all time and it's a love supreme is a prayer it's a meditation and that whole stretch on this album from carry through a case of you to me is a religious meditation and it puts me in a zone and I'm really excited to talk about it because Uh yeah, she is going to a place that other artists just don't go. 
And when you uh, said religious meditation, Matt flinched. He had a flashback to getting dumped. <laughs> <laughs> I can't believe she picked Russ over me. Yeah. He <laughs> uh, doesn't. He doesn't even mow lawn in the regular. So, Aaron, that makes a lot of sense. That talking about this album, where we're talking about the poetry and you know, of the lyrics. What's your favorite lyric from that John Coltrane album? Uh, Love Supreme. Yeah, aren't there no lyrics on the whole thing? No, they say a love supreme. A That's love the only words they say. You're more of supreme. No, a it's a jazz supreme. album, right? But they sing, they chant a love supreme on the album. Rob, all I want is to listen I'm to sorry. this first song right I'm now. Sorry, all Rob. I want. I, it's true. He chants Rob, a love supreme. All I want. <laughs> love supreme. All I want is to listen to I'm all be I want. editing this thing like crazy. Love supreme. <laughs> I, I love this opening. I've got nothing else to say about the song, but yeah, I love, I'd love to say like I hate you some, but I love you some. The simplicity, but the complexity is such great balance. It's like how Aaron feels about tomato sauce. Yeah, I hate it some, but I love it some. I have to echo what Aaron's saying. Like one thing I've said on a lot of these albums so far is I don't really know what they're singing about, and if you listen to this, it's very clear what she's singing about, right? She brings and, it. Yeah, yeah, totally. By the way, I love that this is not a double album. Getting ready for this, I was like, ooh, yes, a regular album. This is great. It's lean. It's tight. Yeah. Um, 35 my, minutes. Matt's mom could, could <laughs> fold like eight loads of laundry in 35 minutes. <laughs> my old man. We don't need no piece of paper oh. from the oh, beautiful. I mean, listen to that voice. It's just like a... It's just like an instrument that's... A whole separate thing is floating up and down like that. Oh. I generally find myself more drawn to the guitar tracks on this album than the piano tracks, but this this song is just undeniable. As is Blue, I mean, it's, her vocals are undeniable. So this was another song inspired by uh, Graham Nash. I, I did do some lyrics for this one. I just wanted to read you these lyrics. And, and imagine me writing this as a poem and then giving it to a girl in uh, elementary school, which I did do, by the way, once. And, and then it drive was, away very fastly. Very and, fast, yeah. driving away very and fast. Actually, I wrote like a poem for a girl once and it was like, if, if, if you don't check yes to this box, I'm going to drive away very I, fastly. I would say at what point does a poem become a manifesto? Cause this poem I wrote was four pages long. <laughs> I think and if I you think have to ask, you've already crossed the line. And then yeah, what does like it mean? Russ? Speaking of getting know. ghosted, I, I put it in her locker, never said anything to me. So I'm hoping that she just like dropped out of her locker and she never saw it. That's best case scenario. Now that I, I haven't thought about that in years and now I feel terrible. Uh, he, he's my sunshine in the morning. He's my fireworks at the end of day. He's the warmest chord I ever heard. Play the warm chord, play and stay, baby. We don't need no piece of paper from the city hall. Keeping us tight and true, my old man. Keeping away my blues. If you had a chance to date Joni Mitchell, knowing that she would write a song about the relationship, would you do it? I mean, I would just love any woman to email me back or write anything about me. <laughs> so, yeah, if she's going to write a song about me, that would be fantastic. Oh, my God. I, I, Matt, what about, what about you? Would you date her knowing that they'd write a song about you? No. No? No. Oh. Say it into the microphone, what? Matt. Say it like you mean it. <laughs> uh, no. <laughs> How about you, Aaron? I mean, I'll try anything once. The, the, the one thing that I, the one thing I noticed, I mean, Grace. my wife is going to be listening to this podcast. So no, I wouldn't date Joni Mitchell, but, uh, I think I'd be, I'd be interested to see what her take was on our life together because you never, when you're in something, you don't always know how someone else is perceiving it. So I think it would be interesting to hear her, her thoughts on your life together. Russell. 
Joni Mitchell had this way with words, though. When Rob was talking about how she sent a telegram to break up with the dude, like, I I suppose maybe people broke up with telegrams very often back in the day. It it wasn't just a straight ghost or a text. You had to do a telegram, like a singing telegram, where people would break up with you. Hello. (laughs) Hello. Hello. It's not happening. It's not happening. You're You're ugly. You're ubu. You're ugly, but functional. I, I think we should just be friends. But one thing, I think the, the craziest thing is she had a way with words about everything. And when she broke up with him, he even said this, that the telegram said, if you hold on to sand too tightly in your hand, it will run through your fingers. Like she even broke up with him in a way that is like an amazing poet, right? So you could learn something just from being broken up with by Joni Mitchell. You know, I never mentioned that, but that is what I said to that girl before I said that I'm going to drive home real fast. Hello. 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 We should just be friends. Like, if you keep holding on to this too tight, it will run through sand like your fingers. Yeah, I was like, uh, that's what I said. And then I just took off crying. All right. Little green. Here we go. Just a little green. So this song, this turns out. Low points on the album, personally, but Rob might have something better so? to say. Let me explain what the song is about before you say that. Yeah, okay. let, let Rob let Rob hammer this one out. He does his research. She had a baby in 1966, couldn't afford it, gave it up for adoption. This is what the song is about. Never told anybody about it. Never said this is what the song was about. Really powerful when you read the lyrics. Uh, I agree. And Rob, I have to echo that when you when you read the lyrics and you understand what she's singing about, it adds a whole new dimension oh, you guys to how this song connects ass. with you. Child with a child he went to California, hearing everything's warmer there. So you send him a letter saying her eyes are blue. He sends you a poem and says she's lost to you. Little green. He's a nonconformer. And basically she was like, I was stuck in Canada, uh, pregnant. This guy left me three, three months in. And basically, she wrote this song about it, never told anyone. And then in mm-hmm. 1993, some roommate of hers from the 60s calls up a tabloid and goes, hey, guess what I know about Joni Mitchell? And then it releases the whole story publicly. That's just stunning. And Joni Mitchell went and met her child. And at that point, she said she's given up songwriting because the reason she got into songwriting in the first place was the pain and the anguish. But then, but she says, like, in the lyrics, too, you're sad, you're happy. You're not ashamed. Like it's this whole, it's amazing. Like for her to talk about something as life-changing, life-altering as, as deciding to give a child up for adoption and then say in a song, you're sad, you're happy, and you're not ashamed. Like it really is absolutely the peak of the songwriting that we've seen so far. Well, it's a stunning thing because as I, I can't believe Aaron hates the song. What a jerk. I didn't know that until you told me that. And it was always to me a song that kind of goes by without, uh, without much thought uh, on the album, there are other things that really grab me more. And I didn't know that story. And you think about all the songwriters who've ever written something that we, we don't know where the inspiration came from. And to learn that now is mm-hmm. uh, that's just stunning. Yeah. Guns and roses has a very similar song, I think. All right. Next song, my absolute, this wins. This is Rob's. This goes on Rob's mixtape of the week. Oh, Rob's banger yeah. of the week. This is the oh, first. Oh, you're a beat old daddy. And I, uh, and this is very creative of me because it was also the first single. So obviously everybody agrees with me. This was about a guy named Carrie that she met on a Greek isle, who basically she said was a big redneck on this island. I think this is where Matt was talking about like commercial hits earlier, and like this single reached 93 on the Billboard Hot 100. So it's not like 
any of these songs ever got way up there or were crushing it commercially, right? Yeah, we need to go to Matt. Matt's been suspiciously silent. Matt, we know you don't like the hammer negative stuff. You really don't like this song, Matt? Like, you wouldn't want to listen to this again? Well, this song's great, but, like, you talk about all these other ones, and don't you just want to tell her, like, bro, get some better people around you? I mean, like, she's getting broken up by this guy. This guy got her pregnant, left her. She's got friends that are selling stories around her. I mean, like, she's got a tragic life. To be fair, she dumped Graham Nash. And to be okay. fair, this Carrie guy it was just some dude she met That's on some island. Yeah, no, Car- There's this, like this song's great. So I, I, I want to ask a serious question. This yeah. might get edited out. Okay, the song before, oh. right, is talking about her deepest, darkest, innermost uh, troubles. Yeah. Right? Like giving up a kid. Yes. How do, you, how do you put that on an album out there for the world to see? You I know, think like, that's I think that's what like people... would, like think of like the deepest darkest things you've got in your in your brain right now. Okay, right? my kid signed up for school as Norma Stitz, so I'm there right <laughs> now. You know what I mean? Like if that's the worst it is, like great, put that out there. Wait a minute, you know, but like that's bad. I, I just I don't. But no one knew. Yeah, I mean, no one knew personally. that's what she was talking about. So that was therapy. But for that's her, art, or, right? I mean, she just needed to do it. She needed to get it out. And maybe that. Yeah, I would know, also I, I say know. that's why people connect with Joni Mitchell is that. She once said that um, songwriting for her was an exercise in finding her own clarity and finding her own truth. And when you get to the truth, you really have to decide, do I want to tell this to the public? It's no different than like me deciding, hey, do I want to tell you guys that I bought some woman fake flowers? Like, I know it's much it's like not even on the same plane as that, but it's like. Do you want to put yourself out there to for everyone to hear? Yeah. And she did that to the 10th power. And I think that's why she resonates with people. Yeah. So you're going to go, you're going to go to, I mean, you're going to go to a concert. You're going to sing this song. I don't know if she played, you know, if she played this at concerts or whatever, but like, I mean, you're rehashing that every time the song comes up and it, it, I don't know. It's maybe just, she needs it's to. not maybe something I would yeah, ever I mean, do. Maybe that's what she needs. Maybe she to, does. To you know, feel, maybe she you does. Know. It's not something. Yeah. It's not how my brain thinks to at all. To keep it alive or whatever she needed. She, I mean, she, she got burned out on this whole thing. I mean, part of it was the music industry, but maybe this is like. Maybe it's hard to talk about, or maybe it's the kind of thing where once you sing it a hundred times, you're not even thinking about what it's about anymore, right? Like, I thought we were going to spend way more time talking about the mean old daddy on this one. Yeah, I know. <laughs> Rob's favorite line. So just to be clear, I did uh, text Russ, I would guess, about 10 times over this week saying, Russ, <laughs> Russ is a mean old daddy. And uh, I added that to my profile. It didn't help. So I did just add the sound clip. So anytime we refer to somebody being a mean old daddy, I can play that. Although I don't see when, how often we, we have never done that before. And I don't think we're going to do it after, but guess what? It's on the sound clip board. It's ready. Just in case I, it's ready. Fill it up, fill up that board. Make it very complicated for me. I'm oh, bummed yeah. that you didn't add to the end of that one that I'm a mean old daddy, but I'm also out of sight, Rob. <laughs> no, you're just a mean old daddy to me, Russ. Oh, what the hell? Yeah, it's true. I'm out of sight. I'm out of sight. <laughs> Actually, Matt, I think sight. is the mean old daddy. He doesn't even want to be friends with this kids. All right. So. Let's it doesn't see. want to be his, their buddy. It doesn't want to be their difference. buddy. That's right. I'm sorry. Blue. Won't you ever forever hear Eiffel 65 after this? No, no this is not. Oh, okay. This is like it's just me practicing. Beautiful and haunting. This is amazing. Like if this doesn't, 
if any song on this album doesn't almost bring you to tears, this has to be it. And this this turn of phrase where she talks about the crown and anchor, which are classic tattoo images. And she's saying anchor me. Well, I just got so a anchor tattoo. I feel like I made a an huge mistake. Is a classic tattoo. Yeah. So she's saying songs are like tattoos, and then she says crown and anchor me, and the crown or an anchor are classic tattoo images. But then she's saying anchor me in our love or sorrow, whatever it is. It's like she's turning phrases that are on top of phrases. It's incredible. How, how does this relate to the sublime tattoo that's across my shoulder blades right now? <laughs> Aaron, you have you're the only one of us I think that has tattoos. Okay, I don't want to get too personal with everybody. What, how did you pick out what tattoos you want to get? Like, how much time went into that thinking? Because I know, just, just from who I am, I know I would make a terrible, terrible mistake if I chose a tattoo. Like, I saw somebody who had a tattoo below his belly button with the two hands going like this, you know, from the WWE guys who were saying, <laughs> suck it. A crotch had, shop? Yeah, they had that tattoo, and I was like, Generation X. I was like, that'd be a good idea. Like, that's the dumb ideas I have. I have one tattoo that I don't love, um, mostly because I don't. I think the line work is too thick on it. Um, I think oh, that I like, it was line line decent. Like it's a decent conception, but I don't love it. But but you can't tell the guy right. Like that line work is too thick. It's too late. It's a tattoo. It was too late. It was too late. And it was what was weird was <laughs> it wasn't an artist that I knew. Sorry. It was a guy. I had followed his work. He was from Australia, and he was going to be at a studio in Oakland. So I was like, yeah, let's let's hook this up. Uh, and then yeah doesn't look like any of their stuff that I've of his that I've seen. But uh yeah, my policy became like after that. So wait, one, wait, like, wait, okay, wait, wait, wait. This is a guy you like, met like this is a guy you met online. Right. And you're just like, oh yeah, tattoo me now. Well I looked at a lot of his tattoos and just I like sure them. you get it on the right ass cheek and not the I left just, <laughs> just like I liked a lot of his work. But I definitely after that went only went back to the one guy that I trust, Dustin. I hope you're listening. I hope you're okay. Uh I haven't been able to buy any work from Dustin since uh this COVID shutdown. Uh, yeah, I just had to go back to the artists I trusted where I could say like, Hey, let's do some more flowers or let's do whatever. But I did decide I should, I should sleep on tattoo ideas for longer. Uh, after a couple that I was like, yeah, that wasn't my favorite. What's the one where you, you were like, Oh, that was a mistake. Um, none of my feel are mistakes, but there's a butterfly oh. on the inside of my left forearm that I just don't, I think the what? line work is too thick. What? It's just a huge, it's just a one solid line. How can a butterfly be? Okay. I don't know. <laughs> This is probably like a sensitive thing that I should not be bringing up. No, it's fine. I mean, I'm, I don't mind talking about it. It's like, I mean, I have, I don't know, a dozen tattoos maybe. So like, I'm obviously going to have some that are my favorites and some that are not. But uh, it does. Like, yeah. <laughs> Russell, you were going to talk about music. No, speaking of favorites, I was wondering, where do you guys think this ranks on the best title tracks of the albums we've listened to? I know we had to restart our, our quests because Rolling Stone just completely said, Screw you guys, we're doing a new list in six years. But so if you were to go through and you if you listen to title tracks, you're thinking of what's going on, Pet Sounds, London Calling, Sgt. Pepper's Lonely Heart Club Band, and Highway 61. Where does this rank in those title tracks? It's how many was that? It's right below Taxman. I would no put, Taxman is not oh. a title would, track. That's an opening track. Oh, this is different. I would, My bad. I would put this below what's below what's going on, definitely above Pet Sounds. Oh, London um, Calling. Yeah, that sounds sucks. Ah, uh, it's close with London Calling. I think it's calling. better it's, than it's everything like, except for what's going on. But this is what I was trying to like clumsily say in the opening is that this is an album that to me defies lists because it. I just you can't. I can't rank this album because it's a prayer. It's a meditation for me. So well, I mean, I don't want to give away my takes at the end, but it's hard for me to like say where this ranks compared to something else. 
So this is number two on Rosie's list of things you can't rank. Oh, yeah. <laughs> uh, this is number one on the list of Rosie's things, musical things he cannot provide musical input on, even though he's the only person on the podcast who has any musical experience whatsoever, including a first trombone player, even though he claims to not be a first trombone player. Yeah. Oh, oh yeah. yeah. <laughs> do, 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 do. So that song, what I read on Wikipedia is that song is about a sweater she needed for James Taylor and how he was addicted to heroin. That's crazy. That's, That's totally wild. That's deep. I, but who knows? I, I don't I don't trust Wikipedia. Uh, all right, California. All the California. Song's going out to Matt. California. And this is James Taylor playing guitar in this one, right? Yeah, he's on a ton of these. I'll even kiss a sunset pig. California. I don't know what a sunset pig is. You're an idiot. It's a tattoo I have. Yeah. <laughs> so I have some thoughts on this song, as you guys might imagine. No. Yeah, if you might. I mean, Brilliant. if you'd permit me some Brilliant. thoughts. I will, I will be 100% honest. We heard this song when we were driving on I-80 with our U-Haul, driving to California, moving from Minnesota to California, we heard this song on the radio when we crossed from Nevada into California. I am not lying. So it has, since 2010, been a song that has always been, for me, an important song. Uh, I think it's an anthem. I think it's an anthem for people who are transplants to California. Obviously, Joni wasn't from California, but she loves California. And for me... For me, being also a transplant to California and being someone who has fallen in love with it, uh, I think that it's the California transplant anthem. But I do think there are several other options for California anthems. And mm. being a person who lives in California and loves it, I made a list of California anthems, and I hope you guys would permit me to do a little wait, countdown. Wait, wait. I, I thought I was supposed to make the list. I am I was, so excited. <laughs> I am so excited to hear a bunch of songs that we all definitely know. Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. Four, three, two, one. For another This is the second most excited I've ever been on this podcast since Captain Slobber Bone. All right. Can so you imagine a- this list that's coming up? And this is the first time. It's not like that one where we had to do the episode twice. <laughs> here is, all right. Here is, here is a Bay Area anthem. If you live in the Bay Area and you've been to a... a baseball game a basketball game or a rap show and you didn't grow up here you have that experience where you realize oh my god everyone in this arena knows this every word to the song except for me from the so this first is, drop this is this is greatest california songs or what is this list Aaron? this is california anthems so this is the right, bay california area anthems this is a bay area weed anthem let's hear it rob this is All the right. loonies oh. i got five on it remix oh i got five on this shit I love Looney Tunes. I'm telling to be you. fair, if I were doing a California list, this would not have been in my top five on it, but it would have probably been number six on it. I went to hear Warren G at a jazz. Good one, Russ. I got it. And I, <laughs> and I'm in the audience, and this is a song where the, the warm-up DJ is playing this song. You never heard this? Every single awesome. person in the audience have. knows every oh. word to this song except for me. And I realized I if I'm gonna live in the Bay Area, I have to learn the Five on It remix by the Loonies. Now, isn't it weird, though, that we're, we we talked about tattoos, and now we're talking about the Looney Tunes? How many people in the generation before us got Looney Tunes tattoos? <laughs> Tons. I knew so many people that had, like, Tweety Bird Yosemite tattoos. Sam, right? Yeah. <laughs> I had yes. a friend who's like, he always joked that he was going to get a, a, a tattoo of 
Taz jumping on a tennis racket because that was like the most <laughs> tattoo of the generation above us of like you guys don't you guys never saw Looney Tunes tattoos. Huh? Not All right, so now I'm going to take it from the, ma- from the macro barrier to the micro Oakland and the Oakland, at least uh, the East wait, Oakland wait, anthem. I, 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 I got to pause. I don't know what the hell's going on here. Or like, I'm doing are, anthems. Are, are these songs like, do they say California or are they about California or no, are they just you, California bands? What's going Russell, on? This is it's a California both. thing. You don't get it. These are California acts. It, it could You're be. It could woke. be. Yeah. So all these are, they could be uh, someone who's from California making the music. So the loonies are from California. Uh, on that remix, you got Spice One, E40, uh, Shock G, oh, oh yeah. Richie Rich. Uh, so Richie, so Richie it could be bands from California. It oh, could yeah. be yeah. songs about California. We're going to get to some songs about California, but it's All just right. like keep, various anthems. So, so the Bay Area Weed Anthem is I Got Five on it. Now you got the East mm. Oakland Anthem, Too Short, Blow the Whistle. Oh, this one's classic. My cousin I, had a Too Short album that his parents would not would be pissed if he knew he had it. So he like kept it in a drawer and would only play it when the parents left and we just bump it. Right. And too short is a, is an Oakland legend. And yeah, he was the ultimate, uh, Oh, he was one of the ultimate dirty rappers. And this is actually one of his clean ish songs. Wait, was that Joni so Mitchell? Blow the whistle. Blow the whistle is the Oakland anthem. So then, I—I I mean, I live in the Bay Area. I have to also include a San Francisco anthem. And if you've ever been walking on the Embarcadero after a San Francisco Giants game where they won, you can uh, hear this song every other week. I do that. Yeah, you can hear this song uh, playing from AT&T most of our Park. Listeners do the Embarcadero. Uh, Tony Bennett. Uh, two to three times. I, left my heart I normally in San take Francisco. the 103 when I'm heading out there, but I, some Embarcadero. I, I get that too. Rob, Rob, Tony Rob I'm more of a Bart guy. I, I normally yeah. take the Bart, and then I do the Embarcadero after sense. the Bart. But yes, I've been on the Bart with Russell. He can't front. Oh, I definitely heard this at the Comstock Saloon in San Francisco. See, Russell knows. I know. This is an anthem? It's an anthem. It's a San Francisco anthem. This is one of the few lists that has gone Looney's, Too Short, and then Tony Bennett. <laughs> Beside Aaron's wedding, this is the only time this playlist has been put together like this. <laughs> I have to be honest with you. I really wanted to play the Bobby Womack cover, but the the Tony Bennett one is the, uh, the definitive uh, recording, I think. The That's next round is I, 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 before before we move to the next one. I have to say that when when I you know a few of us can see we can see the songs that are up on the list. Mm-hmm. And when I saw that the Bobby Womack cover wasn't on this list earlier, I about threw a shit fit. Yeah, and then I just said that I would relax and be like, okay, if we don't do Bobby Womack cover, I'll be fine. Yeah. <laughs> I think he's five on the list anyway, so we're getting to Bobby. Right, and we'll it definitely is a guy and not a girl. I'm not quite sure about that. We'll get to Bobby. Bobby Womack married Sam Cooke's widow. It's a great story. You should look it up. Uh, next track, the protest song of the summer 2020. This is uh, this is a party song, but is what was going off at all the protests. If you watch protest videos uh, in the Bay Area in 2020, it is Feeling Myself uh-huh. by Bay Area legend, rest in peace, Mac Dre. I'm in a building and I'm Wait, what's a protest video? This is, when you like videos of people protesting at Lake Merritt, it was the cool part about it is that this is a party song, and it was like 2020 had a lot to you know be sad about, but people were dancing, feeling themselves, you know, while they were protesting. She's feeling herself. 
So this is Mac Dre. I thought the song was about me in middle school. This is Mac Dre. Vallejo's in the building. They're feeling themselves. And I had to, I had to wrestle for you. I cut out some of the choice lyrics, the most choice lyrics about treating ladies like an ATM card. Now, here's the thing about, huh? about, about California right now. <laughs> why, 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 why am I getting looped into this? I didn't I'm do anything. For your On the Joni Mitchell episode too, Russell. How could you? Oh, oh, my gosh. G-rated. Now, no here's rage. the thing. And Russell, I'm going to need your help on this next one. Because yeah, I got you. I, I got a, your help here. There's a point in California where you might need to, you you might have to leave. Like it might be burning. You don't know. Yeah. Or you might get yeah. whacked. And so you might have to play this anthem if it's your leaving California anthem. Wait, if you're getting What's, whacked, maybe you need to play this one again. <laughs> All right. All right. Here we go. Oh, you know what this song is from? If people are HBO fans, this is the song that is playing when Adriana gets smoked in The Sopranos. Oh, spoiler alert. I was just in the episode before that one. <laughs> Man, you're, oh. a, you're, a, you're a TV guy. Remember oh, yeah. Adriana gets smoked? This is the song from that. Yep. Yep. It's a good and one. This is Leaving California. I like, I like the idea that Russell thinks somebody is an HBO fan. Like, just they're just like, oh, man, I love HBO oh, I so love much. HBO. It's so and good. And then the, the last. Home box office. The, well, the, I mean, the California I was more anthem. Of, uh, feeling myself fan, yeah. or it, it, I left my heart in San Francisco, or too short fan. This is where I turn fan. around and show you guys that I'm wearing a Cinemax letter jacket. <laughs> <laughs> and he hits HBO with a folding chair. I think we officially just dropped under the 1,000 download <laughs> list. I think we're like 999. We got negative yeah. downloads. Uh, give me that back. Give me that, that back. I'm surprised that Aaron cr- has a letter jacket too. It says, it says, Scamdemic on the back of it. Why? Well, okay. <laughs> the obvious Cal- oh, California no. anthem you can't, and this is not just because I'm hoping Rob will hashtag our, our episode, hashtag Tupac. I did informally survey a number of California natives, and the number so, one California this is anthem the one. is the obvious one California Love by Tupac and Dr. Dre. Oh, this has to be number one. This is also, it. This is- I would. I would argue, I know you guys love Hootie and the Blowfish videos with Dan Marino. I would argue this video was cooler. Okay, and that's a controversial statement. But were they're, were they're driving around like it's fucking Mad Max out there? I thought that ruled. I mean, this, this album, this song is Mad Max 20 years before it, right? 20 years yeah. before the redo. Oh, yeah. so good. And the best part about yeah, it is this when, has I was, to be number one. when I sent Rob the timings for the album, I just know you can drop the needle on the first second of California Love, and it's going to be a jam. It's going to be a rocker right from the beginning. Aaron, how much did that song influence you moving out to California? Was it like 50%, 75%, 100%? About about 90%. Yeah, about 90%. Why did you move to California, Aaron? Um, I like the weather here. I wanted to be able to ride my bike year-round. and um, What? I like the people, man. I did not see that coming. I... You, you know, you can ride your bike in a lot of places. I don't know. Yeah. I, although I do agree with the weather that I riding your bike in Iowa would be tough in December. <laughs> I have to say, Aaron, I have an extra California song that I wanted to put on the list that I think is very good. Wait, was that Aaron's number one or is there another number? That one? was it. That's the California and no, California did, left. He, he hasn't yeah. quite got the idea down that you'd make us vote and then do a gag one. Uh, but here's <laughs> Because I'm, I'm trying not to steal Russell's whole bit. Like I'm trying no, to do you like steal my it. own. If you're gonna steal it, steal it right. Trying to do my own. Uh. Here is the hidden's. Here is the hidden song from Tenacious D's album. By the way, one of the most listened to CDs in my life of all time. This is the hidden track at the end of Tenacious D. Malibu nights, tangerine dreams. Malibu 
Tenacious D has hidden tracks? I didn't know that. Yeah. Who doesn't? Guys, it's at the end of City Hall. You have to wait like 10 minutes, then it plays. (laughs) Are they on the list? You know, I saw Tenacious D in Brooklyn. Oh my God, it was a good show. It was so great. Except some guy barfed right behind me. But other than that, it was great. If you want to see a crowd of people, by the way, that look like me, Tenacious D concert is the place to go. (laughs) It was like I was in a mirror the whole time. Aaron, I like the list. I think that it's definitely the, the Tupac California Love is clearly number one. It's it's the clear California anthem, no doubt. But I had to play some sub anthems as well. We're talking about Joni Mitchell again, the song California. Oh, California yep. But guess who covered this song? You recognize these Wilson dulcet- Pickett? It Wilson is. Pickett. Wilson Phillips. That's definitely Wilson, Wilson Pickett if Phillips. I've ever heard it. When I saw that they this covered the, uh, this on Wikipedia, you could not get me to YouTube fast enough. This is that opening song from the that show, The OC, right? Was that the Was that the opening to The OC? Was that with Lauren Conrad? Was that that one? Yeah. No, I don't know what you're talking about. All right, this flight <laughs> tonight. Hey guys, guess what? It's another song about James Taylor's heroin addiction. This is about her being on a plane, leaving a lover, regretting it. Okay. This song uh, bangs. It's so good. And this is one that's grown on me the more I've listened to this album. Yes. It's just, it's so clever musically. It's really interesting. The phrasing, you can't sing along with it. You try to sing along and, and she messes you up every time. Matt, what do you think about this one, Matt? I'm not going well, to let you get fair, I can't sing along with any song. I'm not a very good singer. <laughs> And so it's just Never. just strumming and noodling up and down to me. Can we, can, Rob, Rob, can we go to two, I mean, that's, two that's minutes fair. left to this song? You, you, know, you, you know, we can, Russell. Here's two minutes left. Russell pointed out, Russell, say what you're going to say. I, I was going to say, like, this whole this whole album, like, to some extent, I agree with what's Matt saying. It's kind of like, admittedly, when I hear this, I feel like it's just some uh, acoustic guitar player singing these songs. Yes. And it's not all that impressive. First of all, you guys and when are you right. look at the lyrics, there's more to it. But like there was this really brief, like five second part here where it's like it turns into a complete rock band. And Rob, maybe you can just play this like 10 oh, yeah. seconds here. Why, why is this happening? James Taylor. He's like, please let me play some rock. I'm a steamroller, baby. And it doesn't even last five seconds. It's very brief. You know, what would be awesome, though, is have you ever heard the song and said, you know what? I wish this was a heavy metal song. I mean, I can feel that. Yeah, I'd like to hear it as a heavy metal song. This is Nazareth coming at you on K-Rob. <laughs> K-R-O-B. K-Rob. Matt, can you get behind this one? Oh, I can a little better. This, this, got a couple more rocks. instruments in it. This, this totally guys, rocks. What are you talking about? This rocks my face off. This totally fucking rocks. This is off their album Loud and Proud, which is the perfect Man, name of an good. album. But I, I would say, I, like, I Russell's, like, the, the thing to point out about what Russell noticed is not just that it's like a bang in five seconds of the album, it's that Joni did produce this album. So all of those choices were hers. So if you hear something, Yes, James Taylor might have played it, or maybe he was like, please let me play this. But she had final say on what went into those songs, right? So that was her choice, and it's a rockin' choice. 
This is Joni. This is Joni Mitchell River. This is her second most covered song ever with 432 covers. Uh, and this is a called River. It is now, a, they claim on Wikipedia, a modern Christmas standard. You can tell from the beginning. Listen to this. It's got jingle bells at the beginning. Yeah. Right. And at the end. All right. I've also discussed the very fine Fox sitcom New Girl, uh, in which oh this song features prominently for one episode in season uh, two or three. We're talking about New Girl episodes. Yeah. <laughs> I was wondering where you're going when you started talking about foxes, and then I was, it was New Girl. Uh, a case of you. Holy You're shit. More about Graham Nash. So did they it's meet in a, Canada? Is that where they met? No, they did not meet in Canada. They met. Who's the Crosby, Stills, and Nash guy who has the mustache? David, David Crosby. Crosby. So Crosby's the guy who introduces Nash and her, and they eventually hit it off. Yeah. But the interesting thing is. Neil Young. They all knew Neil, Neil Young. They yeah. all hung out. Smoke doobies. But this, uh, if you really look at this song, this this album is is a breakup album. But did you guys know that the namesake of our podcast, Beck, also has a breakup album? Uh-huh. Oh, wait a minute. He actually, after he broke up with his long term girlfriend after nine years, he produced an album called Sea Change in 2002. So the first song on Sea Change is The is Golden Age. And maybe, Rob, you can pull up that. <laughs> yeah, his first song is called I Want My Dog Back Again. No, I skipped the dog back song. <laughs> but Sea Change, Golden Age. Give me my dog. But one, one really interesting thing about this is Beck said about this album that they're honest and simple songs and they're trying to capture the universal experience that anybody goes through. It's taking something sad and trying to turn it into something that will be hopeful in the end. And he went on to say that he wanted this album to be a depressing album like what Joni Mitchell or Leonard Cohen did because they help people get through tough times and recover. So like he took inspiration from Joni Mitchell to create this album. Sea changes. That's better than what I do, which is eat an enormous amount of ice cream. (laughs) (laughs) That's the difference between me and Beck and Joni Mitchell. (laughs) Now, now I would never claim that rolling, you know, if if Rolling Stone's going to put this album, this breakup album by Joni Mitchell's number three, I can't really claim that. Sea change it would be better. It would it would be unrealistic. It's not fair. But the really interesting thing here, Rob, is that when Beck was recording this album, Sea Change, his recordings were going over time, and it was lasting into the weekend. I wonder so what that's thought, like. They thought they weren't going to be able to do it, and so the the really interesting thing is that Joni Mitchell was coming in to record <laughs> after them, and Joni Mitchell was very civilized in the way she was recording at the end of her career. She never recorded over hours. She never recorded on the weekends. And so Beck and his band were able to come into the studio and record their album Sea Changes on the weekend because Joni Mitchell would not record on the weekend. So Beck came in and finished this album Sea Changes on the weekend. So I have to ask you, if you're going to record an amazing album about a breakup on the weekend, who did it better? <laughs> Beck definitely did it better. And guys, listen, we're doing it better than Joni Mitchell right now. We're recording on the weekend. Sunday. And who cares? Because we don't have to work tomorrow. 
And the weekend's got some bangers, man. That guy should have been on this list. <laughs> Actually, I think he is. Russell, I got one more song. Did you want me to play face. this one too, or is that for later? Yeah, you could have played that about five minutes ago, but it's all good. I don't give a shit. Oh my god, this is Listen depressing. Listen to this though. Like this is no, this is like this is right in the line of what we're listening to, though. It's the only Beck album that I know. It what? Great. Yeah. Do you? Yeah, exactly, man. You listen to this? <laughs> yeah, it's a great. This album. is the one you know. Yeah. Out of all of them, this is the one you know. I mean, it shouldn't surprise you. But don't you, you think if if you listen to the lyrics no, of this Blue album, these Beckett lyrics are kind of right in line with that. They're very yeah. personal. Exactly. Oh, man. Maybe I'm too happy. Maybe that's why I can't write poetry. I've got too much good stuff going on. When it comes to the case of you, the the lines, I'm going to get this wrong, but the lines that have been running through my head is when she says, part of you flows from me in these lines from time to time. And that, to me, case of you is such a great song. Anyway, and then just those couple simple lines just knock me on my ass every time I hear it. But I'm not the only person who felt that way. I remember that time you told me you said love is touching souls. Surely you touched mine because part of you pours out of me in these lines from time to time. Uh, If a woman ever wrote that about me, I would break up with my wife and dump my family in two seconds and move (laughs) across the country to live with them. That's unbelievable. And nobody ever will, because I have never, ever said love is two souls pouring out. I think, (laughs) like, if you ask me what love is, I'd be like, well, it's like a construct of society. I don't know. Okay, I'm moving on. Nothing of that is funny. All right. Wait, wait, wait. We should should get what Rob thinks love is. What is love? What about love? (sighs) Love is what you say when you really want to see somebody naked. What? What are five characters, five things of love, five things of love, top five. I would say love is something that you would um, skip doing things with your friends to do. Right. Mm -hmm. That's the first part of love is you stop hanging out with your friends and you start doing things that you love. Love. I really need to, I really need to find love so I can skip this podcast next week. Russell, guess what? You found love right here. We love you, Russell. (laughs) Everybody let's say we love Russell. I love you, Russell. I love you. I love you, man. Oh, that man. That feels good. Thank you guys. Aaron, I love you, Russell. I said it. I'll say it again. Yeah, he said it last, Russell. He loves you less than we do. I think today I also told somebody I love hot dogs, so I don't know if you want to really. <laughs> um, did we listen what to a you, case of you? Yeah, we did. How else do you, de- how else do you describe love, Rob? Number two. Uh, I would describe love as something where you put up with a lot of shit that you wouldn't normally put up with because you mm-hmm. love something. You would like deal with shit and you're just like, yeah, this is great. It's no problem. Uh, I would say love is like if somebody's room is so Number dirty three. that it smells like a subway station and you don't care. That's love. Mm. Uh, I would say love is number four. If you are with somebody and you make a steak and they put ketchup on the steak, love is not is when you wouldn't say that that's a really bad idea to put ketchup on the steak. You would say, sweetie, you can do whatever you want. That's you true. Put love. That, you put as much of that ketchup as you want. Number five, Rob, here's number the big number five. Uh, and I would say love is a uh, evolutionary advantage. To uh, make sure the species reproduces. The Uh science teacher speaks. I got one that's a cliffhanger. I would say love is if my wife did not lock me out of this uh, vacation home on this deck tonight with the bears, uh, that's love. But well, that's for the next week. We'll let you know. And by the way, I also love the movie cliffhanger. So it all comes together. Um, case of you, Rosie, did you have anything you wanted to say about this? I just wanted to say that what I, one of the things, um, Prince has actually recorded case of you multiple times. 
And um, he seems to be really stuck on the verse that starts with, um, I'm a lonely painter, I live in a box of paints. And so I just loved that uh, he's recorded this several times, but in his posthumous album that came out maybe 2019, uh, this is just him noodling in the studio. This is not Joni Mitchell, by the way, this is Prince. I could easily see myself painting all night to this and then selling it to Aaron's brother at an art festival. I don't give a shit if your brother's a good or bad trombone player. You're going to pay me full market value for this yeah. painting. I can see playing this for somebody while they fold my clothes. Hmm. So I just love this. I painted my bathroom this weekend. Drunk. I just put this on in the background. This recording is from maybe 1983 or earlier? So I, Matt, don't act like you do household chores. Just admit it. Yeah. Just, just Matt's say, don't, mom. don't try to claim you're a good, a good husband. Matt's mom just walked by with a painter's outfit on. <laughs> <laughs> Matt, the bathroom's it's 11 done. 11.34 at night here. Yeah. So I enjoyed listening to what, what other people seem to really hang on to from, from Joni's work. And as you guys know, Prince is my religion. So, Mom, is that eggshell blue? I said I wanted Robin's <laughs> egg. God damn it. <laughs> Sometimes set. I feel like I'm on a different podcast from you guys. Like I'm on like an alternate podcast. Do you guys podcast. hear something? It's like a buzz. It's like a buzz. I, is there something wrong with Prince my microphone? This? I will say. Maybe wonder that. Aaron, so that, that's from a Prince album called A Piano and a Microphone. Is it just him just with a piano and a microphone and Prince? Yes. It's, I mean, it's, so it's that's, kind of voyeuristic I and I don't. Yeah, it's great. I don't know if I, I don't know how I feel about listening to it because uh, there are tapes of him what? in the studio just practicing um, in the early eighties that I don't know that he ever would have approved them being released, oh. but they came out posthumously, but yeah. it's kind of like listening in on Prince, you know, just practicing in the studio and it's incredible. And, and so the I whole, want to remind you that we agreed last week that Prince is who we would kiss. So just in case you forgot, we talked about that. What I talked about <laughs> with us losing our memory about the podcast, we picked him I, over I mean, Bob Dylan. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I would, I would still say the same, but yeah, the piano and microphone album is great worth a listen. And, uh, yeah, he, he spends a few, a bit, of, a bit of time with, uh, case of you we were very mean to you when you were playing that song but i wanted to tell you i loved it but i also love the <laughs> idea of matt's mom painting his basement so i don't know no i painted the basement oh okay she did the bathroom <laughs> while she was while she was putting the paint yeah. in front of Holding him close. <laughs> did i ever tell you guys that so every week i try to pair my wine with our with our album right yeah and so this week i feel like if i'm gonna drive to total wine like out like 15 minutes away to get that get this bottle i have to say it so i found this blue canyon cabernet sauvignon so we had blue after joni mitchell's album blue oh. and she's also kind of famous because laurel canyon became like this huge hot spot I for like music this. in the late 60s it. and 70s Loving so blue it. canyon cabernet sauvignon i highly recommend it it was delicious tonight you know tonight Love i drank a whole bottle of blue querico is that how you say it <laughs> curacao curacao, curacao. 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 Okay, wait that point I drank a whole bottle of blue carousel. Carousel gets more insulted when you when you pronounce it wrong than I do when people spell my name with one L. Who would ever can do that? You, That's terrible. The fuckers. Can you imagine how awful your stomach would feel if you drank a whole bottle of blue carousel? Like you just feel rotten. Well, I did that before the podcast and I had to leave for a while. That's like sometimes with kids, like they take a shit and you're like, what have you been eating? Just bright green. You're like, what the fuck? It's like a, there's like a balloon in there. It's like taking a dog for a walk after he's eaten some underwear. Okay, doesn't matter, guys. I'm gonna and edit the this last out. song, the last yeah, time the I saw final, Richard. Last time I saw Richard. I'm gonna blow this. This is about 
husband, who she was married to until 1965, and they lived in Detroit. But this is like amazing lyrics if you listen to it here. to assess who she's hanging out with. <laughs> <laughs> Matt is victim blaming here. I just don't know how she's able to do these phrases, these long phrases with a tiny breath and then pick it up and do it again. And the rhythms are all unpredictable. It's I can't understand how she's able to do it. Well, if only you knew somebody who had a PhD in musical studies, you could go ask. But. <laughs> she, she left this deck long ago. Yeah, yeah they, she, me outside she, with she, that she person works. has locked you out of the cabin to <laughs> live with the bears. There's no way... There's no way she was on this podcast literally about eight seconds before we started recording. (laughs) There's no way we could have potentially worked her into this podcast. Yeah, by the way, when we said we were going to record, all I saw was a smoke outline of her. She got out of here so fast. (laughs) We said, do you want to be on the podcast? She said no faster than anyone I've ever seen. (laughs) She swiped right on us or whatever. Uh, The only thing I've seen faster is when Matt's mom says, do you want to do the laundry today? Nope. <laughs> Man, my hands hurt from folding so much. Well, now your back's going to hurt because you just pulled yard duty. Uh, landscaping. Uh, landscaping. Okay, I'm going to edit that in. Now your back's going to hurt. You just pulled landscaping duty. Uh, so here's the deal. You're in my world, Grandma. <laughs> Why not? We'll just keep these mics open all night long. Uh, here is the deal. That is it for Joni Mitchell's Blue. Uh, a song, an album that we all agree I could write because I, I do have a poetic mind. Uh, what do we think of our final rating? Guys, this new scale, new rating system. Nope, just what, kidding. What? what, what? Nope, just <laughs> kidding. I will never change the rating system over my dead body. Uh, rolling Well Tone, does this deserve to be number three on the list? Rolling Boned, is it too low on the list? It should be a higher number. In this case, of course, that does mean that it got boned, so it shouldn't be number three. It should be two or one. Or is it rolling grown? It's too high on the list. It should be a rolling. It should be a higher number, which on the list is lower if the list starts at one going down. All right, Russell, what do you think? How do you rank Blue by Joni Mitchell? So simple. Joni Mitchell once said that Bob Dylan was kind of the first person who used this personal narrative approach where he was essentially saying, this is what you did and this is how it makes me feel. And from my perspective, if you really listen to the lyrics and you read the lyrics, I think Joni Mitchell does a better job of articulating her feelings than Bob Dylan. And I get her songs. Her songs resonate with me more than Bob Dylan's songs do. And she also said that the song, the songwriting exercise for her was about finding her own clarity. And when you find your own truth, you have to think about, do I want to say this in public? And damn, she like put it in public. Like she thought about her feelings and she put it out there. And one thing Aaron has always said about these albums and these songs is, are they real musicians singing about real things? And so I don't think this is like the best musical album, but but to me, she's singing about real things. And so this is not one of my favorite three albums of all time. I would not put it on my top three and I would not listen to this over and over, but I get why given the lyrics and kind of her vulnerability and her throwing herself out there, why it ranks in the top 10. So I'm going to say rolling well toned. It's not in my top three, but I think it deserves to be up there. It is a shame though, that we will never find out what Joni Mitchell thinks about a leopard skin pillbox hat. (laughs) Aaron, what's your ranking rolling well toned, rolling bone or rolling grown by the way, very eloquent Russ. I don't feel equipped to either talk about this album in the context of numbers 
or follow what Russell just said because All right, to Matt, me, what do you think? Album. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, Aaron. He's it's so perfect. Mad. To me, this to me, this album is where ranking music breaks down because I don't know how to put this album in terms of of numbers and other uh where it ranks um because it, it's outside of of the realm of ranking things to me and um i will never be able to speak about it as eloquently as russell did so i will say it's rolling well toned and leave it at that matt what do you think rolling well toned rolling boned or rolling grown i'm not going to try to go too long in this but i'm going to say it's very much rolling grown that is rated too high in the list mm. um i think and I'm going to come back to it, but I think I think there's a number of things that that come into play here. I don't know if I personally would ever come back and listen to this album. Um, I don't know a lot of people who would say, "Oh, out of all the albums we got at 500 here, they would say, oh, this is the album we should put on for this party right now, for this um, hangout session right now, mm-hmm. for this, hey, just having on the background, for any sort of anything I could think of to have it on in the background where there's well, a lot 19, of 1993 would have to be number one. It would be just straight <laughs> by nature. <laughs> I Rex don't think effects. there's, I don't think there's a, uh, there's not a commercial success uh, from one of the, from one of the songs on here. I look at the list and I think we get down to maybe like 25, 26, 20, 31, maybe before we find an album on this list that didn't have like a couple of, Mm-hmm. Extremely high commercial, successfully song, successfully commercial song, however you say that songs. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, that being said, uh, Ann Powers of NPR in, in 2017, I think, uh, kind of summed it up perfectly when she said that, um, Joni Mitchell produced the sessions herself, directing a small band that included rival peers like James Taylor, one of several lovers honored and exposed by her. Her observations and Stephen Stills, Mitchell would travel much farther on the lonely road she identifies in All I Want, but Blue is her crossroads, where she bests her devils and invents a mode of expression that every singer-songwriter must master, but none can truly imitate. I think she, the fact that she did it all herself in 1971, Mm -hmm. um, in a time when it was hugely male-dominated, she basically took the bull by the horns and said, this is mine and I'm going to do it. Uh, paved a way for a ton of artists moving forward. And mm-hmm. for that, you know, it, it, it definitely deserves its, uh, its, its uh, place in history. I just, for me personally, it's, it's rolling grown. But, you know, I, I certainly respect the, the work and what she did, much more so than before we, we, we started this uh, journey. Now, I will say, Matt, just think about this, right? You're driving down the street. There's a party on one side of the street and a party on the other side of the street. You need to pick which party to go into. Yep. One party, one party is playing this. California. <laughs> oh, I mean, I, I grew up in right? Richfield, so I think and you then, know which one's going to get. And then you go next door, but you roll down the other window and. Oh, I've already left. Sorry, I'm out. <laughs> I mean, this is tough to decide between these two. I think it's, it's a real toss up. Wait, wait, wait. Can we can we get a repeat of the Mean Old Daddy song? All right. <laughs> you know I got it right there. But, uh, I, you know, I, I've always loved, like, Jim Croce. I've always loved just single players with acoustic guitars. I love female vocalists. I, th- I just think it's, it's like another instrument. It's just as a whole other level. I do want to say everything I've seen about Joni Mitchell 
they always put this thing of like, it's the best album ever done by a woman. It's the best album ever produced by a woman. And I just think that that's so like, it, it's just so insulting to kind of quantify it like that. Like I get why they do it or, or to classify it like that. I just wish that they would just say like, this is probably, I think the best written album that we're going to do. It's it, it, when you read the lyrics, it really is like, it's, it's gorgeous. It's mind blowing. And that's why I'm giving this a rolling poem. Yes. This is like a poem. You I, I wrote that it with an it with an more. Yeah, no, that's a that's a soft rhyme. It's it's rolling, it's, it's rolling. Yeah, they definitely poem. don't rhyme. They definitely poem. don't rhyme. Rolling poem. poem. Thank you, Matt. Rolling poem. This is like a beautiful poem, and that's how I pronounce this it. This is Rob's rap debut. And if you didn't read the the lyrics, you're just like this album. You blew it. Uh, and that's my <laughs> joke. Okay, so don't try to take that. Uh, so that is it for us. Uh, yeah, it is now, let's see, five in the morning. The sun is coming up and that's great. Uh, the next album is, oh, this is another one, another favorite of everybody. This is, we have Stevie Wonder songs in the oh, key gosh. of life. Exciting, exciting. And that's it from all of us here at Beck Did It Better. When you want to hear about the greatest albums of all time. But you're just too lazy to look it up online If you want to hear four guys who chat and then they get off track I've got the perfect podcast for you, Jack <laughs> Beck did it better <laughs> I got no joke <laughs> I got nothing. I feel like I let you down. Normally the post game <laughs> joke is me and I got, I got jack shit. There we go. <laughs> Nailed it.